It is Monday, August 23rd here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York, and you're about to be looking live at tonight's FFPC main event draft room. Our pal Kevin English is going to be drafting from the 11th spot in this chase for the 500K top prize, and we're going to be tracking all the action. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. In case you missed it, Jared and Adam Krautwurst tag-teamed their own main event draft entry last night. Jared, how'd that go, and where can people find the results from that? Yeah, uh, Guilds, uh, you know, at, at the underscore Guilds on Twitter, drafted with us too. Uh, you know, he's a high stakes veteran, so it's nice to have him on board. I think we might have drafted the uh, half a million dollar winner last night. I was I was very happy with our team. Um, you know, Mixon made it back to us in, in late round two, which I always love. And then Mike Evans made it to us in late round four. You know, Just it's, it's Adam uh, happy. Made, made Adam happy, yeah. So it, it's a nice team. Uh, we'll have the live stream of that up on the Draft Sharks YouTube channel by the end of tonight, so everyone can can watch that. And you, you can also just look at the board right now um, on the Draft Sharks Twitter. It's, it's up there. Mm-hmm. And you can head to the Draft Sharks Discord, and you can give your own opinions on the picks that they made. Um, if you want to join up for free there, you can find a link in the YouTube post. You can find the link in our Twitter feed, various places at this point, plenty of the podcast posts. It's out there. So if you want to join us in the Discord for free, talk to us, talk to other experienced players. Uh, we're there waiting for you. So tonight, though, we are primarily here to watch Kevin's draft, to track the action in the FFPC main event, um, you know, to see how they're drafting and to, to to see how Kevin drafts and to just see like how this group of experienced drafters build their team. So, Jared, I think you've probably been you're probably scouting this because you have your own draft coming up later this week, right? I do, and I'm picking eleven in the same exact spot as Kevin. <laughs> so I want to you know, I want to give some thoughts tonight, but I don't want to give too much away because I don't know if any of my competitors are going to be you know, watching this and then, you know, knowing who I'm, I'm targeting it in my pick. So I, I do, I have a ton of experience drafting from like nine, 10, 11, I swear, like 50% <laughs> of my draft slots this year have been like, you know, in that back third. So I feel, I feel comfortable. It's not my favorite spot to draft, but I, I at least feel comfortable kind of know, uh, you know, who's going to be there at each of my, you know, first, you know, four five, six picks at least. Do you think it's comfier being close to one of the turns or do you think it's better to be in the middle? So you don't miss out on, on runs. Yeah, I would. I would rather be in the middle, and if I'm at a turn, I'd, I'd you know rather be at at the front of round one. Um, but you know, you, you can win from any spot. I I plan I plan to do so. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't use your spot as the excuse why you didn't win. So, starting in this draft, of course, we got Christian McCaffrey going first. This is tight end premium. In case anybody watching is unfamiliar with the FFPC format, we should run through that real quick. So you start one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. There's one tight end spot and then two flex that can be running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Tight ends score one and a half points per reception in this format. It's just regular PPR for everybody else. So obviously we're going to see tight ends pushed up the board. We saw that already with the third pick in this one, although it's not a crazy spot in any draft at this point for Travis Kelsey. So tight end premium, you're going to see tight ends going earlier. They're the purple ones, so watch out for them as they go. We did have Christian McCaffrey go first, as I mentioned. Dalvin Cook went second. You see Travis Kelsey go as early as second in some of these main event drafts and other FFPC-style tournaments. Travis Kelsey third here, Jared, and then Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. Nothing out of the ordinary in those top five picks. No, um, you know, that's a bit higher than usual for Henry. Um, you know, I'm looking at the FFPC main event ADP on – draft sharks right now and he henry's gone one seven recently so a few spots higher zeke elliott is kind of the faller here going at um you know the, the one eight there 
Um, and then Darren Waller is another follower who our, our, our boy Kevin picks up there. You know, his ADP has been one nine. Um, you know, so Kevin got him at, at, a, at a discount there at, at one eleven. Yeah, and he did come back, Darren Waller, from the injury. The injury that was kind of a murky situation for a while, but he was returned to practice. So you wonder if maybe some people are still apprehensive because of that situation. But it's nice value, I think, for Kevin at the 11 spot in this tight end premium draft to be able to get Waller right there. And he comes back with Saquon Barkley. So I, I, I like this start a lot. Like, And we talked about it on our stream last night, but it, it, it's obviously a hefty entry fee. But you're trying to win half a million bucks by coming in first place. So I do think you, you want to take some gambles in this format and Saquon Barkley is a gamble, you know, even, even in early round two, but um, you know, if he, if he's healthy, even if he's healthy from October on, um, you know, the, the big, the big money weeks in this contest are, you know, 15, 16, 17. Um, and it's, you know, a total points race. So, it, you know, try to get to that. And then if, you know, if Barkley, Saquon Barkley, and he's a top three running back, then, you know, Kevin, Kevin's in business. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he treats running back behind Barkley. Cause I think that, Drafting Barkley means you need to be a little bit more sure about getting some insurance, especially some early season starters at that position. But I agree, the upside's there. So it, would you be comfy taking Saquon Barkley anywhere in round one at this point? Or is it once you get to round two, it gets to be okay? Yeah, I mean, I think ideally Saquon's your RB2. So you, you, you get an Aaron Jones or an Austin Eckler, then you come back with Saquon as your RB2, which I, you know, kind of builds in a cushion. To me, anywhere in round two, the, the risk is, you know, worth the potential payoff again, especially in a format like this. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it, it sounds kind of funny to say something like I wouldn't take him at 11, but you could take him at 14. Mm-hmm. I, it's obviously not that big a difference, but you already have gotten a first round type ahead of him. You've laid somewhat of a foundation before you take the shot on Barkley. So, I mean, you know, at some point there has to be a line. And I think that that's a fair line to draw. After Ezekiel Elliott, we did have Austin Eckler. We had Aaron Jones. Those guys have been pretty typically showing up in the second half of round one lately. Aaron Jones, for a while, was in round two. But I think at this point, he looks more like a late round one pick, right? Yeah, that's about exactly where I'd take Aaron Jones. You know, I think I think to me, those first, I mean, really the first 11 players to me, should be the first 11 players in these FFPC drafts. Um, Najee Harris, a, a climber there going at the one-two turn, which I really don't have much of an issue with, like, you know, even before we saw anything in the preseason, you, you sort of thought he was going to be near the top of the league in total touches. And, you know, he's been acting as a workhorse almost too much. Like I, I kind of want the Steelers to like back off him in the preseason at this point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious he's going to handle like the vast majority of backfield work in Pittsburgh. So I, I, I have no issue with him at the one two turn there. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, you know, the concerns are the offensive line. The offense wasn't awesome last season. It was very pass heavy, but yeah. we know that they're not going to lean that much toward the pass. They fired the OC at the end of the season. So it's clear they don't even want to go that pass heavy. They drafted Najee Harris in round one. So clearly they want to lean on him. And like you said, they're playing more more than I think is comfy for any of us in the preseason where we really don't need to see that much. So you, know, you can have concerns, but at this point you're banking on that workhorse usage and there just aren't that many guys that you're going to get that from. Exactly. Yeah. So Kevin takes Barkley behind Harris and you have uh, DeAndre Hopkins going ahead of Stefan Diggs. So Stefan Diggs, a bit of a faller here. Um, I, I like that start Eckler and Diggs. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a, a nice start. I would love to get that tomorrow night or, on, or Thursday night. Um, you know, D- Diggs had the knee injury that had him out of practice for like a week and a half, but he was back yesterday. So I, I'm not super concerned about that. I think, I think he's a value where he went here. Yeah, it's tough to navigate these summer injuries. I mean, as soon as somebody goes down, you're like, oh, crap, what am I doing? My draft's tonight. 
or my drafts Friday. I mean, you know, obviously we're covering all this in the shark bite section and we're trying to gauge how serious everyone is. And it, it takes watching each of them because they differ greatly, but I agree. You don't have to worry about digs. We don't have to worry about Darren Waller. Saquon Barkley's looking up. So we'll probably talk about some other injury situations as we move. Stefan Diggs is 11th overall in FFPC main event ADP, according to our numbers on DraftSharks.com. So yeah, a little bit later than he's been going. And I agree. You can't, hate starting your team here in a PPR format with, you know, a couple guys who could catch a hundred plus passes in Eckler and Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And then I like to start behind uh, that team as well with uh, Zeke and then Calvin Ridley. Then we have Chubb and then we have Antonio Gibson uh, middle of round two, which is, you know, four or five spots later than he sort of was going at least up into a week or two ago. And we've started to see some preseason action and it kind of looks like he's in the same role as last year where, you know, he's going to lose some of that, third down stuff to McKissick. So where, where are you at with Gibson? Like, do you think mid second is about right for him? I think it's fair. I, I would, I've never been totally comfy with what to do with him this year. I, I guess I'm more wary of overpaying for him than I am of missing out on something special. Cause I don't, I don't believe strongly in the Washington offense. So I don't think he's heading for special touchdowns. And like you just said, it, they haven't showed us, that their actions are matching their words in terms of increasing his receiving role. And I think that's the biggest concern, but you even throw on that, the turf toe that hasn't kept him out of working out, but I mean, it hasn't gone away completely and that's worrisome at this point. Yeah. The, the turf toe for me is not something I'm worried about. Um, you know, like you said, he's practicing. I, I, I think he's looked really good in the preseason. Um, and the other, the other thing too is, he, I, I, I tweeted, I, I think he has like five targets in the preseason. I'm like 27, snap so it's kind of like a reminder that even if he's not going to play on third downs Washington's going to scheme stuff up for him in the passing game so he could still get 50 60 targets even if he's losing third down stuff to McKissick so I don't know yet th- mid seconds about right to me I still I, you know prefer Joe Mixon um, mm-hmm. but other than that uh, you know I think Gibson is fine uh, in, in the middle of round two that's what I was about to say. My biggest issue with Antonio Gibson tends to be whether Joe Mixon and Najee Harris are still on the board and which wide receivers are still there. Because if DeAndre Hopkins is still there, I feel better about that in general than Antonio Gibson. So looking beyond the Gibson pick here, we had George Kittle go at what's at the two seven right behind Gibson. Then it was Clyde Edwards Lair ahead of Joe Mixon. So the CEH drafter here, not worried about that sprain to the inside of his ankle. Have we gotten any more info on that injury today? Not, not that I've seen over the past uh, two, three hours. He's tough because like I, I was almost ready to bump him up our rankings because he he'd been playing basically every snap, you know, with with Mahomes in that first preseason game and you know in the second before the injury. And if, you know, if Edwards Alaire is going to be an every down player on the Chiefs' offense, like he he belongs, you know, at least in borderline round one territory, I think. So um, I don't know. You know, we we uh, we passed on him. At the 211 last night, he ended up going at the 2-3 turn, so we didn't have that decision in round three. We had we had pretty much decided that we weren't going to take him at the 3-2, even if he was there. Um, just you know, just because the ankle thing is worrisome. You know, the inside of the ankle, that's the Michael Thomas injury. And I don't know if it's the same severity or if it's even the same injury, but it, it sounds like something different than just like your you know regular old ankle sprain. So it's it's a bit concerning, at least until we get some more news on it. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think at some point in that range, you just go ahead with Edward Lair for now because we don't know more and they're trying to say that it's minor. But if Joe Mixon's still on the board, uh, Clyde Edward Lair is not going to be my pick this week. Agreed. Behind him in this draft, uh, DK Metcalf, then it was Joe Mixon, went to the Dalvin Cook team. So that's a Dalvin Cook 
Joe Mixon start, and then CeeDee Lamb as the third-round pick beyond that. So CeeDee Lamb's, what, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth wide receiver off the board here. He keeps climbing. He does, and you know, I, I, I've said that Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson are kind of the, the, where I draw the line. Like, I can't take CeeDee Lamb ahead of those guys. So, I, like, I think he belongs in, like, the middle of round three. So I, I'm not, like, far off ADP at this point. He's just, you know, a couple wide receivers I just can't take him over and you know i i unfortunately haven't landed much cd lamb which is a little worrisome because you know and the preseason usage for lamb has been exactly what we wanted to see um you know he has been he's he's been on the field in two wide receiver sets even when the cowboys went one wide receiver for a few snaps in that last preseason game it was lamb on the field um so i i've kind of come around to lamb being the top cowboys receiver even when amari cooper is healthy and you know cooper is healthy now he played in that preseason game so the ankle isn't a concern for me with Cooper anymore but I, I you know I, I have come around to Lamb being the, the, the top fantasy guy there yeah I can see Lamb being the top guy there and it certainly wouldn't shock if he has a true breakthrough season the, the issue is just where you have to take him it, it, that's a tough spot to get 140 targets yeah. or you know it, it's it's a little bit early to bet on hyper efficiency and I think you need to get one of those two things from him so you know could he ball out this year and have numbers like Justin Jefferson did last year. Sure. Um, but I, it's a little bit early for me to bet on that happening. Yeah. I mean, I think he's more likely to finish top five than, than even Allen and, and Robinson, as much as I love those guys. Um, but I, I just think that the target floors that Allen and A-Rob give you, you know, that that's what has me leaning towards those guys. Yeah. I don't think I would call them more likely to hit top five. I think they're all capable, but I, I to me, the guys who I know are going to get 150 targets are the more likely ones to get there. That's fair. After Joe Mixon in round two, we got back to the Christian McCaffrey drafter, got Justin Jefferson and A.J. Brown at the turn. Jared, are you worried at all about A.J. Brown's knee that's kept him out of practice lately, kept him out of Saturday's game? We're not really sure how much longer he'll be out. All we know is that the Titans expect him to be back by the opener. I mean, it's not, it's not ideal. I guess I haven't heard anything that says we should worry. I mean, we, we know he had the two offseason knee surgeries, um, but, you know, he – he was on the field for the start of camps. So I don't know if there was a setback or I don't know if they're just limiting his, his reps. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that's kind of been banged up quite a bit through his first two NFL seasons. He, you know, he kind of plays that type of game where he's like super physical and could lead to injury. So it, he's, he's a bit risky. Um, but I, I, I do still think that this is kind of where he belongs and, you know, at least at, you know, wide receiver seven, like he was here. Yeah, I mean, it's the range for him. I have a tough time drafting A.J. Brown ahead of Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson right now because – so the knee, he did play through a knee issue last year, missed a couple games, but played through the season with, at the very least, some stuff that needed cleanup after the season. So he had both of his knees cleaned up in the offseason. Um, you know, maybe this is related to that and he just needs a little bit of rest. We'll see. But, you know, it's one of those that, that sure, he's shown us he can play through it, but we also don't know how bad it is. So it's kind of tough to gauge at this point. You have to – Consider how comfy you are, I guess, with betting on him where he goes. Yeah, Julio Jones, I think, has been missing a bunch of practices too. Um, and I don't know if he's like hurt or just they're just limiting his reps. Um, but you know, that that you know that that's my biggest concern with Tannehill is just that like those two receivers come with some injury risk, and they're they're just so shallow. You know, there's not much there outside of Brown and Jones. So if one of those guys goes down, that's that's when I think Tannehill's in trouble. Yeah, I agree with that. So after A.J. Brown here in round three, we had C.D. Lamb go off the board. Then Patrick Mahomes at 303. That's not far from his ADP in these drafts. It's too early to take Patrick Mahomes. And you can see no red or pink, whatever you want to call it, players going after Mahomes so far. And we're almost through round three at this point. 
Uh, we have Mahomes number one at quarterback. I think most places do. That's not the issue, but I don't think he's around better than the other guys at the position. No, and and he's going to be like two or three rounds ahead of like Lamar. You know, I, I I've seen Lamar and Kyler Murray drop into round six of these uh, main events. So that I think that that's when Mahomes looks bad when you you look and he's three rounds ahead of someone like that. You know, this team did stack him with Kelsey, which helps. But um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm still not even considering Mahomes until, you know, if, if he had come back in the late fourth for that mm-hmm. team, then I think it would have been a fine pick. Yeah. That was where we landed him on the crowdsourced yeah. draft sharks, uh, main event team, right? Yep, exactly. How much are you looking at stacks in these? I mean, I, I it's something to always be aware of, but is yeah. it kind of to the same degree as a best ball team? Less so it's less so for me, but it's still important because again, those final three weeks are the, the, the total points race. Um, so, you, you know, you need those big spike weeks and obviously stacking a quarterback with one or more of his pass catchers helps helps the chances of getting that. Mm-hmm. So less so for a regular season league in general, but for mm-hmm. this kind of tournament format where you need to win those late sprint weeks, it's it's more of a factor. Yeah, I mean, for for a home league, you know, home 12 team league, I, 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 I guess consider a tiebreaker if you're you know dead even on two guys, you, you take the, the stack, but otherwise I, I wouldn't weigh it at all. Mm-hmm. After Patrick Mahomes here, Kyle Pitts at 304, right in the range where he usually goes. I, you know, we've been talking about Kyle Pitts for months. I'm not sure how much there is to say at this point. Where, where, where would you take Kyle Pitts if nobody else took him and you're deciding where it's time for you to take him? Where would you draft Kyle Pitts in a tight end premium league? Actually, yeah, I mean, know, in general, among tight ends in any kind of PPR. Yeah, I mean, he'd be he'd be my tight end five and behind Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson gets even a little more separation from Pitts here because it is the 1.5 PPR. And I, I, I do feel comfortable, you know, projecting Hawkinson f- for, for more catches than Pitts. Um, so, you know, Hawkinson goes about where he just went there, you know, early fourth, sometimes late third. So, you know, to me, Pitts would be like a mid fourth rounder mm-hmm. in FFPC. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, he might be heading for something different than what we've seen from rookie tight ends. Cause it sounds like they're playing him like a wide out and they have Calvin Ridley oh, yeah. and not a whole lot else left at that position. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting that, but still, I don't like him that high. I agree. Hawkinson ahead of Pitts for me, so I, I'm not the Pitts drafter in pretty much any draft so far. After Pitts here, it was Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson in the middle of round three. Terry McLaurin is another guy that's – I don't want to bet against him, but he just goes a little bit earlier than is comfy for me. Do you like where he's going? I think he's wide receiver 10 in this particular draft. Yeah, kind of like with Lamb, it's a few spots earlier. I, I've taken McLaurin a few times late in round three, you know, 310, 311, 312. Again, that, he, that's another guy where I'm definitely taking Robinson out of McLaurin. Um, I, I'd even probably le- uh, le- lean Lamb over McLaurin as well. So, you know, he, it's it's a bit early, but, you know, not not crazy. He's a, he's a good player, and, you know, they he should be getting much better quarterback play this year. And, again, this is not early versus his ADP in main events. He's going at 303. Uh, so far in main event drafts, he's wide receiver 11 off the board, wide receiver 10 here. So really right in line with where he's been going. I agree. I prefer Allen Robinson. I just think uh, a better bet for target volume from what we've seen so far, a more proven player. They both should get better QB play than they got last year. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I, I think that Allen Robinson's QB play should improve more than Terry McLaurin's will, but I, I guess we'll see. I mean, they're both kind of nebulous, well, not nebulous situations. The Chicago situation is a little bit nebulous. Washington is how much you trust Brian Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and how many games, you know, Fitz will, will make it through. I think that's that's some of the risk with McLaurin. After Allen Robinson, we had Chris Carson and then Robert Woods, Daryl Henderson off the board. Daryl Henderson late in round three, that's 310. That's early for him, earlier than he tends to go. 
I saw just before we came on too. It sounds like he was like exiting practice with, with something. I don't want to, you know, sound the alarms. I have no idea what it was, but it sounds like, you know, he was, he was walking off the field with some trainers. So. <laughs> that's, that's a mean thing to say during this draft for uh, whoever just drafted him. What he's, he's running back 19 in general in FFPC main event drafts, 402 uh, ADP though. Um, so that, that's not, you know, a whole lot earlier here than he tends to go. And we'll obviously keep track of whatever the injury situation is. Yeah, I mean, if this guy, you know, has Henderson ranked higher than that, he couldn't count on him making it back to 403, so you take him at, at 310. Kevin's third-round pick is Mike Evans. Then it was Cooper Cup at the turn, J.K. Dobbins, and then back to Kevin for DeAndre Swift. So what do you think about his first four picks? Darren Waller, Saquon Barkley, Mike Evans, DeAndre Swift. I think he's off to a great start. Like, I think at 311, he could have gone a few different directions there at wide receiver. I think Cooper Cup would have made sense. I, I think uh, – Amari Cooper, I think Tyler Lockett, you know, would have been in consideration for me there. And then, you know, on, on the way back there, I mean, I, I, I love Swift. I think he's like a mid third rounder. Um, so where Kevin got him is nice. Um, again, I think wide receiver was probably in consideration there for Kevin again, you know, with someone like um, Cooper or Lockett or I mean, he, he could have taken both bucks wideouts and tried to get Brady later. I've seen some teams do that, but yeah, I mean, Swift at four Oh two in a full PPR league. I just, I, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes and I think he's a good player. So even though we don't like the Lions offense, um, I like Swift there. What do you think of the logic of taking both Bucks wide receivers and Tom Brady in a draft like this where you're setting your lineup every week? Yeah, I think I think it's viable. You know, if you, you know, I you don't want to reach for those guys. You don't want to you know, reach way down your wide receiver rankings to take Evans or Godwin. Um, but I mean, you know, they're, they're both guys you feel comfortable putting them in your starting lineup. And again, if Tampa happens to have two or three big games in that, you know, week 15 to 17 stretch. Um, and you have Brady and two of his wideouts, you, you, you're in business. To me, it it seems to lower the ceiling here, unless you just think that they're going to go crazy this year. I mean, that, you know, Tom Brady's going to throw 45 touchdowns and, and just feed everybody. Otherwise, I think you're necessarily almost every week saying that one of them is going to underperform versus the other you're taking up two slots for what's probably not going to be two top-notch performances. I mean, we know that Tom Brady is not likely to be a top five quarterback in terms of uh, his weekly scoring floor. He has a lower floor than the rushing QBs. So I don't know. I, I think that's too much stacking for a lineup setting format. Yeah, that that's fair. I think because Tampa has other weapons, you know, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski is going to be involved. OJ Howard, hopefully. Um, and, and then you got, the, you know, the, the, the backs, you know, whether it's Gio Bernard or, or whoever. So it's not, it's not a concentrated offense. So, so in that way, I think what you're saying makes sense there. But again, I, you know, I think Evans kind of belongs near that three, four turn and Godwin kind of belongs in the, you know, middle of the fourth. So I don't think you're, you're reaching a whole lot to make that stack happen. So I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Again, you just, you need, you know, blow up games from that passing game in the you know, FFPC uh, championship round. I mean, you also need to get enough points to win your league or at least finish yeah. in a position to make those playoffs too. Yep. Mike That's Evans true. for me is the guy that I, I'm a little bit wary of this year because he finished last year something like 32nd in target share among wideouts. So he, he's always going to be a top red zone target. He was hyper efficient in that area though. Very efficient on catch rate. I think Tom Brady helps both of those things going forward, but there's a, I think there's a little bit more trapdoor to Mike Evans than there seems like just based on his career to this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he scores six touchdowns, you're in trouble. Um, but I, I'm just betting on that Bucks offense. 
Like you know, it, they got they got better over the second half of, the, of last season, which you know, makes sense when it was you know, a brand new offense with new receivers for Brady. So I, I just I, th- that passing game to me is one of the safer bets in the NFL. Do you think avocados are the cure for the Super Bowl hangover? I hope so, because he you know, he was in rough shape. So. <laughs> All right. So after DeAndre Swift to Kevin's team, we had TJ Hawkinson go right in the range where he usually goes. And it's a good pick there. I think Chris Godwin in a sensible range, David Montgomery around four Miles Sanders, right after David Montgomery. What are you doing with Miles Sanders right now? I'm not drafting him in the mid fourth. Um, late fourth is where I start to consider him. I'm, 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 I'm really once, once like Swift goes, I I'm usually not taking running backs for, you know, a few rounds. Um, I, you know, I I just don't like what I'm hearing out of Philadelphia with Sanders with the drop issues. And I, I, I already thought he was going to lose quite a bit of passing downward. I, mean, I still think he is pretty safe as the clear lead ball carrier. You know, hopefully the Eagles offense takes a step forward, healthy row line. Um, but it's, it's the, the pass catching worries me with Sanders enough to, you know, push him at least into the back half of round four. Yeah. I feel less good about Miles Sanders right now than I did even like a week, two weeks ago, because things just aren't in general sounding good out of Philly with the offense. I think that offense is not going to be particularly good, which will hurt scoring chances. Miles Sanders can score from distance. So he doesn't need the goal line work as much as, you know, a lot of other running backs, but getting down to the, that range is obviously going to help the scoring opportunities for any running back. So I'm not sure I trust the offense enough. And like you said, the receiving, you can blame some of it on Carson Wentz maybe last year, but Miles Sanders performed horribly as a receiver last year. It sounds like he's still having issues this year. Boston Scott has been splitting some receiving work with him, like first team receiving work. Kenneth Gainwell has flashed at times. And, you know, it's tough to bet on Kenneth Gainwell a whole lot as a rookie who didn't play last year. But one thing he has on most running backs is receiving ability. And he has been running some wide receiver type routes from what it sounds like. So if there's a chance that Gainwell also gets into that picture, it's it's worrisome for Miles Sanders. I agree in that range. Yeah, and, and Gainwell got, got on the field with the starters and that um, you know starters in air quotes because it, it was Flacco in there. But he did get on the field you know with that first team in the second preseason game. So it seems like he might kind of be working his way up to depth chart. I, I just think whether it's Scott or Gainwell, Sanders is going to lose quite a bit of that pass catching. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, a running quarterback could just not be good for running back targets yeah. in general. So if they're splitting fewer targets, then that's no good for anybody. Miles Sanders there. I like Dave Montgomery. Wary of Miles Sanders going there. Amari Cooper right behind those guys. Then Tyler Lockett. Then Julio Jones. Uh, where are you taking Julio Jones right now, given his, I don't know, <laughs> lack of practicing, basically? Well, we took him at 502 last night, and I think that's about as early as as I take him at this point. Um, I, yeah, I just when he's healthy, I think he's going to be a guy. You know, you you're fine using as like your wide receiver too. Uh, I just you know you can't you can't bank on him staying healthy. There's probably going to be games where he's like questionable. You hear he's going to be on a snap count. It's going to kind of be a headache. Um, but you know, it, like in this format, you're kind of just hoping he's like good to go for those final three weeks. And if he is, then you know he's probably going to pay off. Yeah, I really have no idea what to expect specifically from him. You know, target count, passing volume in general for that team, health. Like, I, I there are so many things I don't know what to expect. So it's like th- yeah. there comes a point where I'm like, I don't love any of the wide receivers still on the board. He is Julio Jones. I got to get some Julio Jones. That's kind of where I'm at on drafting him. But among the guys that went after him in this draft, I, I think I'm taking DJ Moore ahead of Julio. I f- think I'm taking Adam Thielen ahead of him. Not really sure on the other guys. What about you among those uh, wideouts that went after Julio in this draft? Yeah, Moore is the only one I take ahead of him for sure. Yeah, I, I, I always feel like I should like Thielen more. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we were all over him last year. He hit big 
Um, he's really going in about the same spot this year, I think, as he was last year, of course. I mean, now he's kind of you know, clearly the 1B there, but it's still such a concentrated passing game. Like, as long as Thielen doesn't, like, hit, hit the cliff, you know, from, from an you know, age perspective, and he's only – I think he's 30 or 31. Mm-hmm. So he, he should be fine. He's, he's never an exciting pick, but um, you know, I might even lean towards Thielen over Julio right now. I think there are a lot of people who call Adam Thielen a steal where he's going. I don't agree. I think that's in the range where he should be going because he he was very lucky on the touchdown front last year, and that's probably going to regress. And he had a rookie pass him in target share last year. So he's he's going to get plenty of targets. They were both still top 20 at the position in target share, even with Thielen missing a game last year. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think it's appropriate where Adam Thielen's coming off the board. Yep, I agree. So we saw the Christian McCaffrey drafter take two wideouts at the two, three turn, took another two wideouts at the four or five turn DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson to that team. What do you think of building your McCaffrey lineup that way? I mean, that, we see that quite a bit where the McCaffrey teams, you know, lock up, you know, they're, they're one stud back. And then I think sort of try to have one stud back plus a nice receiver room and then kind of figure out the RB two spot. Um, so it's, it's a pretty popular build. I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, you know, looking at the board, like I, I think that's where I would have gone when you when you have Mixon and you have Ceh off the board. There's kind of there's kind of no running back to take at that two three turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with the the picks that they made there. I think it's certainly a fine way to go. If Mixon had made it to the end of the round, I'd probably take him instead of one of the wideouts. But you know, he didn't, so that's not a decision to make. Um, right next to that one, we had the Dalvin Cook drafter, then take Joe Mixon in round two, CeeDee Lamb in round three, Mark Andrews in round four, late in round four. So that's what, seven picks after um, TJ Hawkinson went at 411, no, eight picks after, and then Adam Thielen in round five. What do you think about having Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook on the same roster? Yeah, I don't have any like numbers to back it up, but we were talking last night about you know the potential of having Cook and, and Justin Jefferson, and I, I kind of don't like it. I guess it's just because Minnesota's offense. Like I, you know, I don't see them having the upside to be a top five offense. So I don't want to be too heavily invested. I mean, it is concentrated again. Like you know where the ball's going. It's Cook, Jefferson, Thielen, you know, maybe Irv Smith. But um, I, I don't hate it. I, I definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't be trying for it. But you know, if this guy had Thielen as his clear top receiver available at that point, I, I'm not sure I'd pass just because I have Cook. I agree. I think that Justin Jefferson in round two or even early round three might be a little bit early to trust that much in Vikings players because you're you're asking Dalvin Cook to be a top three running back and Justin Jefferson to really be a top five wide receiver if you take those guys that early because you can't have everybody just perform at expectation to win this thing so I think that's a little early I think with where Adam Thielen went in round five is probably about the earliest I would consider stacking both a pass catcher and a running back from Minnesota specifically I think there are other teams where I'd be less wary of it but um, I agree in general. After Adam Thielen in round five, we had Mike Davis go off the board. Where are you at on Mike Davis? We haven't talked about him in a little while. Where are you at? I mean, we haven't seen him. We, you know, we, we, we haven't, there, there's been, there's been nothing. We've heard nothing about that backfield, which I don't know if that's good or bad for Mike Davis. If I were Arthur Smith, I wouldn't be talking about that backfield either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, the, the one thing we can say is JV and Hawkins is like buried on that depth chart. He, he's, you know, he's not going to be a factor. He, he might not even make the team. It, it looks like Kwadri Olsen is at least, you know, kind of locked in as the number two. Uh, t- to me, the big thing with, with Davis is, you know, do they add anything, you know, at, at final roster cuts? Do they make a deal at final roster cuts a trade? If they don't, I mean, I, I think I think fifth round is about right for Davis. I mean, at this point, I can't argue too strongly with him going in round five. I'm not going to be the one taking Mike Davis ahead of T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, 
you know, the quarterbacks, Travis Etienne. So I, I, that's just a backfield I'd rather avoid than say, well, it looks like Mike Davis. I, I'm going to go ahead and take him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in general, the, the running backs in, I mean, to me, the, the running back dead zone, you know, quote unquote, is like around five and six this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, again, like Swift, I think is, is you know, safe. Um, you know, Montgomery seems pretty safe. So I think there are some backs in rounds three and four, but uh, you know, these, these round five, six guys, I mean, Davis, ETN, I still have no idea what to make of. Like, I, I still think he could be a top 15 guy. I think he could finish like 30th among running backs. I, I just think there's a lot of risk. I, I agree. I'm, I'm most likely not looking running back here if Miles Sanders doesn't make it to this round. I like David Montgomery. I like Josh Jacobs at cost. And beyond that, I don't like a whole lot in that range. So we'll get to some of the other running backs that went. A couple rookies just went in round six. But right after Mike Davis, we had Josh Allen as the second quarterback off the board. Almost, what, two full rounds behind where Patrick Mahomes went. And then four picks after Josh Allen went is Kyler Murray. And then three picks after Kyler Murray is Lamar Jackson. And really, I think that is the problem with taking Patrick Mahomes in round three. He's probably going to be fine for you this season unless he gets hurt. But he's not two full rounds better than the next three quarterbacks in this class this year. I mean, if, if you gave me Mahomes versus the field to lead quarterbacks and fantasy points, I'm, I'm taking the field and I'm you know pretty confident in it. I, I think one of Allen, Murray, Jackson, Dak, I think, you know, who's, who's still on the board could, you know, beat Mahomes in fantasy points. So that, you know, that, that's again, like you said, that's the issue. It's just paying, you know, two, three rounds premium over those other guys. And I think, you know, you look at the Mahomes Kelsey stack and, you know, maybe it helps in the playoff weeks, but I also think that it going for that stack, looking at that stack is, is kind of overrating Mahomes versus the rest of the QB field. I think that, yeah. You can get more value by taking a wide out in that spot and leaving Mahomes. If he gets back to you in round four, cool, go ahead and take him there. But, you know, if you don't get Mahomes, you can take one of the other quarterbacks and still be strong going forward. Right. I mean, when you're paying ceiling prices on both those guys, which this guy did. And again, I have no issue with Kelsey. Like, you know, mm-hmm. anyone taking in the top three, you're obviously paying, paying a ceiling price. But, um, you know, I mean, what what would Kelsey and Mahomes have to do to like really turn a profit on these price tags? You know, they'd have to have even better years than they did last year. Not to mention, I'm sure that there are a fair number of Kelsey Mahomes stacks in the overall field. I doubt it's um, all that unique. So after Josh Allen here, we had T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool in the middle of round five. Then it was Kyler Murray. I mean, all those wide receivers seem appropriately priced at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, Ayuk, I'm I'm getting closer to consensus. I'm still not there yet. You know, I I definitely prefer Higgins. I prefer Claypool. Um, Ayuk is more of a sixth rounder for me still, but I, I get the upside. You know, with with a guy who had a stronger season and you know an offense that that should take a step forward this year with Trey Lance. Yeah, I think he's wide receiver twenty four off the board here, so I think it's a fine range. I I don't want to be too high on Ayuk either because it's I can't say for sure that he's going to pay off this year. He very well might just finish you know wide receiver twenty four like he went in the draft this year and then this particular draft. I mean, Chase Claypool there next, then Kyler Murray, Travis Etienne. You already hit on. I mean. Plenty of upside, plenty of downside. The Jacksonville offense doesn't look like something that makes you feel good about um, betting on it. This team, by the way, that just drafted Travis Etienne, we've got Austin Eckler, Stephon Diggs, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, Travis Etienne, then Tyler Boyd in round six. I mean, that's an interesting couple of backs. It's not your typical style of player in running back. Interesting that they put them together. I'm not sure there's any significance to that, though. Yeah, I mean, upside, you get 150 catches out of those two running backs. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a team. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be one of the teams kind of pounding running backs later, hoping to hit, you know, one of those you know, handcuff types or even adding some pass catchers to kind of lay a floor. Um, but, you know, ETN, 
is obviously he's making a big bet on him. But if ETN hits, you know, he's in good shape because he has you know two solid running backs in that case, and then he has you know four nice wide receivers. Now we had uh, three other picks after that, but then I want to jump ahead to the other rookies that went recently. Javante Williams at the start of round six, Trey Sermon two picks after Javante Williams. Are you taking Travis Etienne ahead of those two right now? I guess, one, if you're deciding among them, do you prefer Etienne still? And two, if all three of those guys are on the board, are you taking Etienne right there at 510 uh, or, I'm sorry, 509? Yeah. Or are you just leaving him there, taking a wide out, and then seeing what gets back in round six? I don't know what to say about Etienne anymore. I've, got, I've gone back and forth so many times. Um He's a scary player to be he's, either two in or two out on. Well, he's to the point for me personally, and this isn't going to help other people, but I, I've taken enough of him where I feel like I have my exposure. So at this point, uh-huh. I'm kind of just ignoring him unless he drops. Like if I can get him in the you know back half around six, I'll take a shot. I, I, I still think he's going to play a big role in the passing game and catch, you know, at least 40 balls this year. Uh, but I, I have no idea what he's going to do on the ground. I, I do still like him. Over Sermon and Williams, though, just because I, I don't I don't think Sermon and Williams are going to do a ton in the in their respective passing games. I, I I don't have strong feelings about any of those guys over the others. I do think that I, if I you know put aside how, how much Travis Etienne I have, I think I would pass on him there and see if Trey Sermon or Javante Williams makes it back to me in round six, knowing that I'm okay if I just miss out on all three of those guys. Um, but yeah, Travis Etienne, if he catches forty balls, he's probably going to need to carry two hundred times if he's going to be you know, a league winning type of player. Well, J- Jacksonville second preseason game kicks off in 20 minutes. So, you know, ask me again in two hours and maybe I can tell you, you know, with a bit more conviction, how I feel about Travis Etienne. Let's hope that that time span will include Travis Etienne's first touches and he doesn't go Michael Carter and wait until the second half. Yes, please. All right. So in between those rookie picks, we had Jerry Judy go at five ten. We had Lamar Jackson go to Kevin's team at five eleven, and then Jamar chase, Closed out round five. What do you think about our boys' pick so far? Yeah, so I would guess that he was eyeing Jerry Judy. Uh, maybe not. I mean, maybe maybe he would have taken Lamar anyways. I don't know. I, I do like the Lamar pick. Um, you know, again, to get to get him as as quarterback four to me, like with Dax. Until we see like Dak a full go, he he's he's like a tier beneath the you know Allen Murray Lamar guy. So to me, like Kevin got the final quarterback in that tier. Um, and, you know, in, in especially in lineup setting leagues, I, I do like getting the stud quarterback even more so than in basketball. It's just like I said, and forget it. Yeah. You know, and, and he has that now at tight end and at, at quarterback. Now he's going to have to find depth at the other positions because he spent two of his first five picks on, you know, the, the onesie spots. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be strong at the onesie spot. So I, I, I like the Lamar pick and then the Odell Beckham pick is, is fine, too. I think I think that's that's where I would have gone there at wide up. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably, I'm sure, take at the very least one more tight end and probably two more for this tight end premium format. But he could go the rest of this draft and not take another quarterback. The Ravens don't have a bye until week eight, I believe it is. So you're going to be starting Lamar Jackson almost definitely every one of those weeks up until that point. So there's no need to take a second quarterback. So that's one spot that you can build depth wherever you want. You know, otherwise, we've got Saquon Barkley, as we mentioned, DeAndre Swift in round four. There's Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, the top two wideouts. There's, there's a mix of upside and some downside risk here, which I guess is really kind of what you want to do with a tournament team. I mean, the upside is more important than the downside because if everybody just kind of does what you expect, you're not winning it. So what you want is guys that, you know, have that ceiling, even if the floor creaks when they're walking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's nice to win your league. I think if you win your FFPC, FFPC, 
you know, 12 team league, you, you almost double your money. So that's nice. But again, you know, this is kind of structured as like a DFS tournament where, you know, the, the prize pool is heavily weighted to the top. So you, you really want to, you know, try to, you know, finish in the top 10 or, you know, ideally win the whole thing. No, no, Jared. High stakes was first. DFS tournaments are built to match these. <laughs> that is that is true. So around the turn, Jamar Chase, Javante Williams, Odell Beckham to Kevin's team, Trey Sermon next, then Tyler Boyd. We already mentioned Logan Thomas keeps showing up early. He's wow. the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh tight end off the board here. That's before the middle of round six. What do you what do you think about Logan Thomas right there? I'm trying to see if that. I guess we have his, and I'm looking at the wrong. I'm trying to see where his FFPC ADP is because I I feel like he might be the tight end seven now that we've gotten you know into these main event drafts and you know you have you know what we think are sharper drafters. Yeah, he is tight end seven, and he's we have his ADP at six four, and yet we have Noah Fant as tight end eight at seven two. So there's even a gap between Thomas and you know the, the rest of the field behind him. I mean, as people have pointed out, you know, as the pro Thomas people have pointed out, like his usage last year was awesome, not just even targets, you know, snaps and routes run was right up there at the top of the league. And that, that's kind of continued into the preseason. I, I think it probably will continue. Although you know, we, we haven't seen Curtis Samuel out there. We, we haven't seen Washington's full wide receiver core. I think Thomas is going to be out there running routes. I, I still think his targets are coming down, you know, with Samuel there, you know, with Gibson taking on more in the passing game. Um, so to me, he's, he's in the tier with Noah Fant, with Tyler Higby. I think I still have Goddard in that tier, although he's, you know, he's slipping. Um, I, I just, I prefer Fant for sure. And I think I still prefer Higby over, over Logan Thomas. If Logan Thomas, if everything had gone exactly the same last season and Logan Thomas were a 25 year old tight end who, you know, had played tight end in college and arrived as a tight end, I think he would be an exciting player right now, but he's, is he 30 yet or he's going to be 30 soon? I mean, I my concern is that he's Terrell Pryor, really. I mean, maybe he continues to ascend this year, but he's kind of getting up there for being an ascending player. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm not willing to follow him up. I, I can't argue strongly against the people that are drafting him where he's going right now, but I, I don't think I'm going to reach a point where I'm like, yeah, okay, I like Logan Thomas there. Yeah, he, he turned 30 in July the pro Thomas people will tell you that like he still could be on the ascent just because he hasn't played the position for, for very long, which mm-hmm. might be the case. I don't know. I just, when I, when I watched him last year and, you know, when I look at some of the underlying metrics, like he, he wasn't great. He was a product yeah. of volume. Um, and again, if you think that volume's coming down, you know, that's, that, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's my issue. So, you know, we'll see, maybe he's ascending. He could, maybe he's the tight end version of Fred Jackson, although Fred Jackson was a running back coming into the league. He just didn't get right. the ball for a while. So, you know, we'll see. It'll, it'll be more interesting to watch Logan Thomas now than I was expecting it to be at the beginning of draft season. Yep, for sure. After Logan Thomas in this draft, Russell Wilson came off the board several more spots ahead of Dak Prescott, five spots ahead of Dak Prescott to be exact. So even though we've seen Dak Prescott throw the ball now, we've heard Jerry Jones say that if they were starting the season right now, Dak Prescott would be behind center. Still some apprehension on him. I mean, I think there's a chance that this apprehension could really pay off for Dak Prescott drafters. And in this particular case, the Dak, the Dak drafter had CD lamb in round three. Yeah. I would guess that team was, you know, praying that, that Dak was going to make it back to him, especially, you know, after um, Wilson went off the board and, you know, Dak's kind of the, the last, I think of that tier. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I like what team two is doing. You know, they got that cook mix and start, which we did last night and was, it was so beautiful. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's a nice, team there at the two spot 
Behind Russell Wilson, we had Kareem Hunt, Miles Gaskin, and Raheem Mostert go in round six. And I'm going to check the ADP on Raheem Mostert, but Kareem Hunt's a guy that I I just don't want where you have to draft him. I'll just pass and take another position if I don't like a running back. And Miles Gaskin, somebody that I would have felt better about a couple weeks ago, but the usage through the first two yeah. preseason games has me thinking that that's just going to be a committee in Miami. Yeah, I mean, it was better in week two, obviously. Gaskin started, mm-hmm. he led – the running backs in first team team snaps, but you, you you know it was him and Ahmed basically, and it was close to 50-50. And you know they they both looked good. You know to me, Gaskin and, and Ahmed are clearly the best two backs in Miami. And then you know Malcolm Brown's just kind of you know if you, if you want to use him in short yardage, fine. But so yeah, I mean I you know I like Gaskin less than I did three weeks ago, but, but more than I did a week and a half ago at this point. Um, the, the the one running back I like over him for sure is Chase Edmonds. Um, because you know, I, I do think it's you know going to be a split carry wise in Arizona, but I think Evans is going to do most of the pass catching stuff. Um, that, that's an offense, you know. I, I I still believe in so Edmonds over Gaskin for me. Yeah, to me the the five six seven is more of an RB dead zone than three yeah. four are this year. And you just look at the players that went in the two rounds in this particular draft. If you're listening to this afterward, you know you can check the YouTube stream to see all the guys who went in that range, but that's the range where I don't want to be drafting running backs more so than round four this year, where I can get guys that I like uh, the dolphins usage. I think we're the way that the second game went and the fact that miles Gaskin was playing late and behind the others in the first game means that we now have to watch and see what happens in the third. Cause maybe game two was a good thing, but maybe it's like, okay, we're going to play all these guys in all these different situations because they're just all going to be, mixed together heading into the season and we're going to annoy you if you draft any of them and hope to start them at any point. I mean, I mean, Brian Flores said after that first game that it's going to be a committee. Like he basically came right out and said they want to use all three of those guys. So you know, expect that to be the case. Again, I, I do think Gaskin is, you know, he, I think he's the best player in that backfield. Um, and I, I also think he is, is, is a good bet to handle most of the pass catching stuff. I mean, Ahmed can do that too. You know, Brown, I guess, is capable, but I do think Gaskin is still going to get you know most of the targets in that backfield. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so after the way they used him last year, and he seemed to respond to it. I we always have to remind ourselves though that a year ago we weren't talking about Miles Gaskin at all. We were like, oh, they got Matt Breida, they got Jordan Howard. You know, right. it's going to be those guys. We'll see where the ball goes. Yep. Raheem Mostert followed them here. It is a little bit earlier than he goes. He's been at seven oh three in main event ADP, so he's at what six oh nine here. So. Not far from it. Are you drafting Raheem Mostert at this stage? I don't think I've drafted him a single time. I just have. I mean, I I think Sermon's going to be the lead guy, and I think you know Lance is going to take a lot of carries. I don't know. You just you sit down and do projections, and it's kind of hard to find enough work for for Mostert. You know, bar, barring a Sermon injury. Yeah. So, and I think because Raheem Mostert comes in with some knee history and is older than Trey Sermon. For me, Raheem Mostert is somebody that I, I like having some of in best ball because it's a backfield that we want any pieces of because running backs are going to score points unless things go horribly wrong for the 49ers. I, I kind of agree in lineup setting. I think that if anybody emerges as the clear leader at this point, or at, at some point this season, I mean, it's going to be Trey Sermon. So that's the guy I want to take rather than a guy that I think is probably going to split work with Trey Sermon for longer. I want that ultimate ceiling rather than, you know, what might be there early on. Now, the one thing we haven't seen yet and we can't know until the season starts is whether sitting Mostert is something about resting a veteran or if it's like we know what Mostert can do 
he's going to get more carries than anybody else in the backfield once the regular season comes. So we're just going to rest him for now and we'll unleash him in week one. I think it's probably we know Mostert has trouble staying healthy, so we don't want to throw him out there in the preseason. <laughs> just don't talk about his knee brace. You're going to piss him off. Yeah. Kenny Galladay followed Raheem Mostert off the board here. Then it was the Dak Prescott pick we mentioned. A fifth straight wide out for the Christian McCaffrey team before he got his second running back. And I, I say he. We don't have the names posted, so I don't know who it is. But uh, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then Chase Edmonds in round seven. And that's kind of a good example of what you can find by waiting a while, loading up on wideouts, and then taking a second running back. Because obviously Chase Edmonds doesn't have the high ceiling of plenty of other guys. Even some other guys might still be on the board. But it's somebody you know is going to be on the field every week. He's going to catch a decent number of passes. You're probably going to get a couple other guys that might be able to cycle in as your second running back. It's, it's what you can do if you start the thing off with McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I like the I, I like Edmonds in that range. Regardless, I like him especially, you know, for this build. I think you know this team now. Obviously, if McCaffrey's healthy and does what we expect, he's going to have the best player in fantasy. He's going to be stronger than most teams at wide receiver. Um, and then yeah, like you said, Edmonds I think is a guy. Like worst case, he's going to lay a floor of like you know ten carries and you know a handful of targets every game. And then if Connor gets hurt again, or if Connor's just out of gas, then you know, Ed, Edmonds could, could turn into like a top twenty running back. And then this team's going to be really strong. Yeah, and he's RB29 here, so it's not a heavy investment in the slightest bit. So like the build of the McCaffrey team here. In the second spot, we had Antonio Brown go next after Chase Edmonds. Then Noah Fant as the eighth tight end off the board. Like Jared mentioned, that's right around ADP. I like Noah Fant this year. I'm not taking Logan Thomas ahead of Noah Fant. No, I like Fant too. I don't like him for this team who, you know, took Kelsey. That's true. Three, you know, spent a third round on a quarterback. And, and in the FFPC, you can take two tight ends early because you can flex one of them. Um, but I don't know. I just I just think this guy's leaving himself too thin at running back and, and wide receiver by spending you know those two early picks at tight end. Yeah, and I'm not sure Noah Fant. I'm not sure Noah Fant's going to be a high enough volume receiver to merit that kind of weekly starter status. So I, yeah. I agree that starting out with Kelsey, I would probably wait a little bit longer on tight end, take a chance on you know somebody more in the Evan Ingram range. Agreed. Yep. Uh, Daryl Henderson, by the way, the injury was a thumb uh, and Sean McVay said he's not sure he, he got his thumb. Don't have any updates on that. So we'll see how serious it is. I would think that this far ahead of the season, a thumb shouldn't be something that affects Daryl Henderson in the regular season, but obviously we're gonna have to watch and see what the specific diagnosis is. Yeah, we'll see. And at this point, we have no idea who the number two back is there. J- Jake Funk started ahead of Xavier Jones in the second preseason game and, and, and Funk's been better than Jones through the first two preseason games. I, I still think they're going to add someone who will end up being the number two. Yeah, I would say behind Daryl Henderson, it's all all looks like number two. Cortland Sutton followed Noah Fant off the board here. Then it was Robbie Anderson. For me, it's Robbie Anderson over Cortland Sutton. And honestly, it's not even taking that much thought for me to make that move. Yeah, it still is for me. Um, I, I, I tweeted that, you know, Terrace Marshall looks so good in the preseason. I'm a bit worried he's going to you know, steal some target share. But I mean, you know, Curtis Samuel saw, what was it, 98 targets last year? Um, and, and I know McCaffrey was out. He's going to pick up some, but I mean, there, there's room for, for Marshall to get 80, 90 targets and for Anderson to, you know, still be around the range he was last season. And I mean, if volume is the question there, then Denver, we've got Judy, yeah. Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and KJ Hamler is having a good preseason. So there are a lot yeah. of guys there. Yeah. Denver's passing game though looks, I know it's a preseason. I know it's only two games, <laughs> but you know, Bridgewater and Locke have looked really good. And we know those weapons are awesome. So like if, if, you know, if either or both quarterbacks can be competent, you know, that that's going to be a good passing game. Yeah, within the past week, I think, really since we got into the preseason games, 
it's gone from, I don't really care who wins that QB spot because whoever is not going to be that awesome too. <laughs> I want to bet on the right Broncos quarterback late in a draft. Cause that guy yeah. could be good as a week to week fill in. I agree. And I still haven't drafted either of them. I think I'm like, I'm like underdog, you know, 18 round drafts. You can't afford to take one. I, I don't think it's just too risky if you pick the wrong mm-hmm. one, or even if a guy only starts eight games or whatever. Um, yeah, I agree. I think whoever gets the job and it, it most of the Denver media that I've read expected to be expected to be Bridgewater, which is kind of surprising because I think Locke was kind of in the lead until this last preseason game. And I think Teddy was just so good. And he was impressive. I just watched that game this afternoon. And I, I, I still think Teddy makes those pass catchers safer because I still don't totally trust Drew Locke. You know, I think Locke maybe brings the higher ceiling. But like I said, either way, I think, you know, both guys have looked good. So I think those, you know, this Broncos pass catchers are, are in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, I just hope that we get word from Vic Fangio this week so that we know heading into next weekend's drafts and we don't have to guess going forward. Yeah. I would think that yeah. they would announce it before the third preseason game or at the very least telegraph it with which you are, with whoever opens that game behind center. That's what I was going to say. I think whoever starts that third game, you know, if it's not announced, we can kind of assume it's going to be that guy. If you are doing like a 2QB or super flex draft, though, I think that you can start with two early guys and then wait, 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 wait. And then, you know, you can decide based on what's there. You can take somebody like Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold or whatever. But I think that you can even wait at this point and take both Broncos late. If it's a deep enough draft, then you can, you know, use those roster spots that way. Yeah. Yeah. We saw, I think a couple teams did that in the uh, draft tracks invitational drafts. Yeah, I think I, I think I ended up doing it, but I forget <laughs> at this point. There have been so many Genius. drafts since then. Genius. Uh, Devontae Smith followed Robbie Anderson off the board here ahead of uh, LaVisca Chenault. James Robinson in between them. Jared, how are you feeling about LaVisca Chenault right now? He went round seven in this one, 708, I believe. Yeah, I still love the player. I've, I've mentioned that I'm just uneasy about the Jags offense in general because of the coaching staff. It kind of seems like they don't know what they're doing. Um, they, you know, we had we had Dwayne McFarlane down the pod last week, and he talked about you know that Visca's only playing in three wide receiver sets, which isn't ideal. Um, but I, I just do still think you know Jacksonville is going to be a team that's you know in three wide receiver sets like 75 percent of the time. So I think Visca will be on the field enough. Um, I don't know. T- to me, Marvin Jones is still the best value in that wide receiver core. You know, Visca kind of maybe has the higher ceiling just because a younger guy and you know still on the ascent. I don't know. Se- seventh round is a, is about right for Chenault to me. Yeah, to me, he's gone from somebody that I'm looking for as it gets to like round eight to somebody that I'll shrug and take where he comes up making sense. Because I I think the biggest issue, again, like I said, with ETN is that just that whole Jacksonville situation. I don't want to be over-invested in anything there. Yeah, totally. After him, Damian Harris. And honestly, that's a, a guy that I feel a little bit better now than I did before. And I think it's a solid addition to the Travis Etienne roster here. I don't think either of those guys is a lock to deliver for you, but it looks like Damian Harris is going to still be their lead back. Although that's, you know, coming during a preseason where they have plenty of backfield buzz among multiple players. Yeah. I mean, you know, Stevenson's been you know, the star of the preseason, right? Their running back coach still was like talking him down this week after that second preseason game. I don't know. I, I think, I think they don't want they don't want to use him this year. Um, maybe he's going to force them to if he keeps playing like this. But um, I'm not, Harris is not a guy I've been taking. I think even best case, like he's going to do nothing in the passing game. And you know we've talked about if it's Cam Newton under center, like he's going to steal so many of those goal line carries. You're, you're going to get you know like 15 carries between the the 20s for Damian Harris and nothing in the passing game. So I, I just I don't really see the upside on him. 
Although did Cam Newton have his Tyrod Taylor moment this week where he yeah, failed yeah. to follow the the rules on COVID? And it didn't fail to follow, but wasn't aware of the rules on the COVID protocols. And now he's going to miss five days of practice. And you know, Mac Jones was marching in in his vice principal suit, like tickled to get those first team reps, I'm sure. It's going to be interesting to see if anything changes with five days of Mac Jones and no Cam Newton at practice. That That's another team, and maybe not so much the first preseason game, but I thought Newton and Jones looked really good in the second preseason game. Newton especially looked like as a passer better than I, I thought. I think he looked at all last year. Um, so, you know, that that's good news for the pass catchers. Yeah, well, we'll see. It, sh- shocking that the, that the Patriots didn't know that rule. You know, we think of them as like the team that knows every, you know, every intricacy of the rule book. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't know that. So. Yeah, uh, it's it's probably good news for Cam Newton how he looked. I'm sure it's also bad news for a Philly secondary that has been bad for a while. Yeah, I think teams are going to be able to pass against the Eagles. Dallas Goddard, speaking of Eagles, followed Damian Harris off the board here. Debo Samuel was the seventh-round pick for Kevin, who then took Michael Gallup in round eight. So Kevin's team so far, Darren Waller, Saquon Barkley, Mike Evans, DeAndre Swift, Lamar Jackson, then three straight wideouts, Odell Beckham, Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup. What do you think of, of the way Kevin's drafting so far? Yeah, it's solid. I mean, you know, wide receivers flew off the board. I, I counted them up. Uh, Debo was wide receiver 37. Um, so, you know, we, had, and then he took Gallup about wide receiver 39. So we had 38 wide receivers in the first, uh, what is that? Seven rounds. I'm trying to see, you know, usually there's uh, 37. So I guess that's, it's kind of normal as far as wide receivers coming off the board. Um, I mean, he's not, you know, he's not strong at wide receiver, but I think he's, he's, he's fine. You know, he just adds Curtis Samuel there as a fit. So I think, you know, he has, he has enough guys where he's going to get by at that position. Yeah, you can definitely cycle them through and get two good starters. And if both Mike Evans and Odell Beckham hit their ceilings, then you're set in the top two starting spots at least, and you're just looking to fill the flex spot. You mentioned he got Curtis Samuel, also came back in round 10 now, with Leonard Fournette as his third running back. Are we feeling any differently about Leonard Fournette after all of the third down work that Gio Bernard has gotten so far? Yeah, you know, he, he's moved down our rankings a bit, you know, four or five spots. Um, he's, he's still an upside play. Like, I, 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 I took him a lot in best ball which I like because, I, you know, he's just in there. I think he's going to have spike weeks in that offense. You know, lineup setting, I think it's going to be tough, you know, without without like a Ronald Jones injury. You know, if he's splitting early down work and losing passing down stuff, it might be tough to ever feel comfortable starting him. But, you know, it's the 10th round. And, again, in this format, I think you want to be taking upside shots. And I do still think just because the offense he plays in, Fournette has a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, I'm not sure at this point – if I would take Leonard Fournette over Jamal Williams, I think they're in the same range. And I think you can easily make the argument either way on them. For me right now, Fournette's a guy that when he first comes up at the top of my draft war room, I'm like, I'm not taking him yet because there are like four running backs here and I'd be fine with any of them. And we'll see who makes it back to me. And if I miss out on all four of them, I'll also be okay with the next group. So I, I wait sometimes two turns and then the next turn it's like, all right, fine. It's time to go ahead and add Fournette because there is that upside. He's like the kind of handcuff that I'm more interested in the straight handcuff because he's going to be playing somewhat. They didn't re-sign him to be the third running back while Ronald Jones is handling the first two downs and Gio's handling third downs. So he's going to be playing. And then if Jones goes down, there's immediate upside to Fournette. So I'm fine with him where he's going. Uh, I agree with that. Let's look at the team right next to Kevin. Started with the pair of running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, then mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, J.K. Dobbins, Jamar Chase, Javante Williams, Tyler Higby, Jalen Waddell, Aaron Rodgers, Darnell Mooney. That's a lot of rookies mixing on that team. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, not, not my favorite team, to be honest. The, the J- Javante Williams pick, a bit early for me, I mean, even just in a vacuum. And then when you already have those three running backs, I, I don't like going running back there. And I don't know, like Waddle felt a bit early to me. 
Yeah, not, not my favorite team. Yeah, I think that if you start with Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris, you're expecting those two guys to really hit for you. So I would have skipped the Dobbins pick specifically and looked wide receiver there. Uh, I'm not big on Jamar Chase. Um, so, you know, you could quibble over the individual picks, but I, I agree. I think that there's uh, there could be a different way to go about this. It might yield a little bit more upside in general, too. I think I don't think you want to rely on that many rookies unless yeah. you're taking guys later in the draft. That's where you take rookies, maybe add you know, two or three total, but there, there's a threshold. But once you get past that, it's, it's pretty risky. Yeah. I, I was curious to see where Chase was going to go. I think we kind of skipped over him, um, but yeah, he, he didn't get any discount tonight. You know, that's kind of, you know, I guess you see him go in the middle of the fourth and some of these drafts, but you also see him get well into the fifth. So um, no, no ADP drop, at least in this draft for Chase. Yeah. He was at least after Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayuk. So I'm still probably not the chase drafter there. I don't think I'm taking him ahead of, I I think I'm honestly taking Tyler Boyd ahead of him if I'm deciding between those guys, because I think that the floor is clearly there with Boyd. And I'm just not sure that the ceiling for chase this season goes that much higher than it does for Boyd. Yeah, that's fair. I I think I'd lean chase just in this format. Again, when you're looking for upside and like, especially late in the year, I think, you know, that's when we kind of see rookies really start to hit their strides. I think chase kind of works for this format, but um, yeah. And and like a, you know, just a 12 team league, full PPR. I I have no issue taking Boyd over Chase. All right. So back into round eight, we had Tyler Higby go at the end of round seven. Um, He's what the 10th tight end off the board. So that's a solid spot. Are you feeling, have we heard anything about Higby's usage or anything else? Because as far as I know, the only tight end that's in camp for the Rams is Jacob Harris. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the Rams haven't played any starters in the preseason, which is, I think kind of McVay's mo i'm not concerned about harris like you know he, he he's probably gonna be the number two wide up or number two tight end he'll be on the field some um but i i, I like higby a lot at tight end 10 I, I i like him over goddard at this point you know as long as Ertz is in philly i'm taking higby over goddard there yeah i think that jacob harris this season is more likely to be zach sudfeld than he is to be gerald everett and if anybody doesn't remember zach sudfeld that's not the guy who used to play quarterback for the Eagles, but it's the guy who was the buzzy summer tight end for the Jets and then did absolutely nothing once the regular season rolled around. So, I mean, Jacob Harris has some flashy highlights. He's a fast guy. Maybe he makes an impact this season, but he's also somebody who's moving from wide out to tight end for the Rams, and he's a later round rookie. So odds are against him making a big contribution this year. I think that helps Tyler Higby's outlook. Yeah, good dynasty stash, but you know, I don't think you can count on Harris to do anything significant this season. After Higby, we got Jalen Waddle, Michael Gallup, Nicole Hardman. What are you doing with Nicole Hardman right now? I'm kind of back off. I, I, I think I mentioned that on last night's podcast. Yeah, I was I, I was off the first two years, kind of back on, you know, mildly. I guess th- this spring, he still it still looks like he's their third wideout. You know, it's still mm-hmm. it's been Tyreek Hill when, he, when he's played. He didn't play in this last one, but it's been Hill and Robinson as the top two, and then you know Hardman's a three, and they run a ton of three wideers here. He's going to be on the field. I just I don't know, he he still doesn't look like he he ran that route in that second preseason game where you could see Mahomes like you know mm-hmm. telling me wanting him to do something else you know when it was uh, near the end zone or at the goal line um, so I, I think Hardman still isn't all the way there yet um, you know especially in lineup setting leagues I just think he might still be a tough guy to count on in your lineup every week. Yeah, I liked him early in draft season because he was going later, but now more people are getting excited about him and looking around and seeing that Sammy Watkins left and that it's just Demarcus Robinson and some other guys that most people don't know and getting excited again. But for the reasons that you just stated, I think it's time to back off this particular draft. So, I mean, I just looked at ADP and he's going ahead of guys like Elijah Moore, 
Darnell Mooney, uh, Jarvis Landry. I'll take all those guys ahead of Nicole Hardman. And in this specific draft, he went ahead of Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks, Mike Williams, uh, you know, as well as the guys in the next round. I'm taking all three of those guys before Nicole Hardman comes off the board for my team. Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, like just looking at this board, he belongs. He belongs with like Mooney, Landry, Rugs, like those. So he, like, he's like a tenth rounder to me, just looking at this board. Yes, I agree with that, and you should expect him to go and by the end of round nine at this point. Um, so it, it's it, it's not going to be time for me to draft Nicole Hardman in general at this point. Yep. Irv Smith after McCall Hardman in this one, he was the 11th tight end. Are you feeling the same way about Irv Smith as you have been all off season? I am. Yeah. Um, I, I just wrote up hit, you know, he had, he had encouraging usage in their second preseason game. Tyler Conklin was out. So I don't know how much to take away from it, but Irv played every snap with Kirk cousins. He ran her out. I think it was eight of 10 or eight of 11 dropbacks. Um, so he, he, to me, he's well below Fant Higby still Goddard, I think for me but it's closer now, but you know, Irv's kind of the next guy for me after Higby and Fant are off the board. Yeah. I think Irv Smith is closer to Goddard now for me than he was a little bit ago because Goddard's Goddard's in a worrisome situation. I mean, it's not going to be a high efficiency offense anyway, so he's going to need targets and Zach Hurts is still there blonde hair and all. I mean, he's, he's making plays, he's heavily involved. So even if the wideouts don't live up to their first round hype, it might be a little bit harder to find targets than we might have thought with Dallas Goddard earlier in draft season. Yep, agreed. Michael Pittman after Irv Smith here, then A.J. Dillon, Michael Carter, I think sensible range for those guys. Robert Tunyon after Irv Smith, I believe that's a 12th tight end off the board. That's, I think, the beginning of where it's fine for him. We've seen him creep into more like the top 10 recently. I think if he's 12th or below, you can make a case for it because even though we know the touchdown efficiency and the catch rate are almost definitely coming down from last year, he could also see more targets. Yeah, there's been some good buzz on Tunyon. I'm um, just saying he's kind of taken another another step forward this offseason. So, and, and I mean, I like MVS. You know, Marcus Vallescanlon. We've heard coming out of him um, from camp, but you know, there's there's still room for Tunyon to you know, even be the number two target in that passing game behind behind uh, Devonte Adams. And obviously, tight end 12 is uh, already builds in some of that slide down from after he finished tight end three last year. So yep. fine spot for him. Brandon Cooks next. Still going too late, but that's just going to be the way it is all offseason because they don't have quarterbacks. Melvin yeah. Gordon followed Brandon Cooks. Jared, are you taking Melvin Gordon? Talked about Javante Williams going too early for you here. Is Melvin Gordon somebody that you're at all interested in, or are you just avoiding the Denver backfield? I'm pretty much avoiding it. Again, the offense has looked good. That would obviously help the, the running backs if you know the offense does ascend. I and we we haven't seen Gordon yet in the preseason. I, I think you, you wrote the shark, but he's supposed to play in the third preseason game, right? I think so. Or, yes, so, yes. Someone <laughs> it might have been Kevin. It wasn't me. I have to remember at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. So it, it'll be it'll be nice to see how they use Gordon and William. You know, so Williams so far, he started both games, but he's been rotating with Royce Freeman, and Freeman's been playing mostly most of the passing downs. So I think, you know, Gordon's just going to kind of step into that role. I think it's going to open the season as a committee. And I, I think Gordon's going to be more of the pass catching back. So Gordon might even be the better fantasy bet early on. I think Williams surpasses him at some point. Um, so, yeah, I'm not – I don't see much of a ceiling with Gordon without uh, Javante Williams' injury. I agree. I mean, I took Melvin Gordon in an auction the other night for three bucks just because pretty much everything else was gone. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, there's upside, especially if Javante Williams goes down. Royce Freeman's kind of interesting because the Mike Boone injury has given him opportunity. And it kind of makes you wonder why Royce Freeman is not an Atlanta Falcon yet and whether he might be before we get to September or at least before we get to the to, to week one. 
It's it's funny you say that because I was watching that Broncos game and just thinking to myself, like Royce Freeman's good, like good. I mean, he's not you know he's not special, but you know he's a good NFL running back. He could definitely contribute on a lot of teams. Yeah, whatever a good NFL running back is, yeah, position exactly. doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. I mean, Royce Freeman's the kind of guy that if you're at the end of a long draft and you're like, I don't like any of these running backs, stash a guy like that and see if he does get traded to a team because you could certainly see it happening after what Denver did to their backfield this offseason they could use a draft pick and there are other teams atlanta that could use running back help so we'll see uh speaking of running back zach moss went to the chase Edmonds team I, I like it in round eight you know zach moss maybe he just splits with devin singletary and he doesn't become a starter but there's at least the upside if he come, becomes the number one running back for that bills team at any point or even the slight leader in the backfield even if there's not a true number one justin herbert the next pick for that one then Kenyon Drake and Evan Ingram as the first tight end for that team in round 11. What do you think about the McCaffrey team at this point? And so he kind of did what we thought he would, you know, taking a few running backs after waiting until round seven for his um, second. Moss at the end of the eighth is fine. You know, Singletary just went in, you know, the back half of round 11. What we've seen over the past couple of weeks, you know, Singletary looks good. And, you know, and Moss Moss looked fine, I think, in that second preseason game. Uh, But Singletary played you know the first first 10 or so snaps of that game kind of looked like the clear lead guy I still think it's going to be a committee um but I'm kind of less confident in Moss leading that committee now than I was you know two weeks ago um so you know just comparing those two I'd rather take Singletary in the 11th um Herbert stands out as as a big value again looking back at Mahomes like Mahomes will outscore Herbert very likely, but I'd much rather have Herbert in round nine than Mahomes in round three. And Justin Herbert went two plus rounds after Dak Prescott, who was the sixth quarterback off the board. Uh, Justin Herbert is the seventh quarterback in this one. So two plus rounds gap between those guys. I agree. That's good value on Justin Herbert. So it's like the league is helping out the McCaffrey drafter here, even beyond just getting McCaffrey with that top pick. Uh, To your point on the Bills running back, I, I agree that it's it's totally reasonable to lean toward Devin Singletary at this point um I wouldn't say I'm confident in anybody in that backfield and I think the only reason to draft either of them really is like maybe this guy could wind up with the most touches especially near the goal line on a team that should be among the top scoring offenses in the league yeah it's it's still a backfield to avoid for me in general um even with Singletary he Mm -hmm. they do not use him near the goal line I know it's, 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 it's Zach Moss and Josh Allen. So it's the, the upside in Singletary, even if he is the lead back is, is pretty limited. Right. And that, that use near the goal line is what has me leaning toward Moss, but certainly not a a place to um, bet too heavily on anybody going back to round nine, following that Justin Herbert pick, we had Elijah Moore come off the board, then DJ Chark, Michael Thomas. uh, I think, you know, say what you want about Elijah Moore, DJ Chark. Those are fine spots for them. Is this the appropriate spot for Michael Thomas? I'm just looking like beyond him. Corey Davis, I'm taking ahead of him at wide receiver. I'm probably taking Darnell Mooney ahead of Thomas. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's okay. I think Thomas is better in a lineup setting league. Because to, to, to me in basketball, to just be taking zero after zero after zero from this guy that you took in the ninth round, it hurts. Here, at mm-hmm. least you can just park him on your bench. And then, you know, hopefully he's Michael Thomas when he comes back. And, you know, then hopefully you, you kind of survive the first month or so without him. And then you know, he comes back and then, and then you're rolling. My one thing about Michael Thomas here, I think in general, it's a fine range. I probably wouldn't be the drafter on him because, like you said, there are a couple other wideouts still on the board that I would take ahead of Michael Thomas right now. But my my one criticism here is I would like to have something more stable ahead of him at wide receiver. The, the drafter for Michael Thomas here has Julio, 
has Cortland Sutton, has Brandon Cooks, then Michael Thomas is the fourth, and then Henry Ruggs is the fifth. So, I mean, maybe Julio is Julio this year. Maybe Cortland Sutton's knee is all the way back. And maybe Brandon Cooks gets 140-plus targets, and maybe you're in great shape ahead of Michael Thomas, but maybe not on any of those three guys. Yeah, that's a great point. At least Thomas is his fourth, which I think is kind of, you know, I'd want him at least as my fourth, maybe as my fifth. But, yeah, you're right in the – the three receivers, especially Julio and Sutton coming off the ACL, you know, they're, they're riskier to begin with. So Th- Thomas doesn't really fit this build too well. James Connor next off the board. And would, Jared, do you think that you would have taken James Connor instead of Zach Moss to go with Chase Edmonds on the same team? Or would you not want both of those Arizona running backs on the same roster? Not oh, yeah. the James um, Connor drafter didn't take Chase Edmonds, but this was back at the turn where we had Zach Moss go to the McCaffrey team. Um, that's a good question. I mean, sh- straight up at this point, I actually prefer Connor over Moss. I guess I, w- I guess I would have taken Connor there and had both Cardinals backs. Um, and again, I think you're really hoping, you know, one of them goes down and then you have, you know, kind of a three down back. But, um, you know, to me again, Ed- Edmonds is going to be someone you can kind of start as like a lower end RB two to begin with just because of the pass catching. And then, you know, Connor would kind of be a semi handcuff, but also, you know, maybe a standalone option, you know, at least during the bye weeks. Right. Normally we don't want to handcuff. A, a backup to a starter, but that's not this situation. This is a, a split backfield. I think when it gets to bye weeks or you have somebody else go down, those two are guys that you could start in the same backfield in a given week. I don't think you want that to be a regular starting duo, but it's a duo that you could start together. Whereas, say, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott is not one that you're going to do that with. Yep. After James Conner in round nine, we had Tom Brady follow Justin Herbert in the same round, right in the middle of round nine. So that team's got Tyree Kill, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Brandon Ayuk, Kareem Hunt, Devontae Smith, Michael Carter, Tom Brady, then followed with Jonu Smith, Terrace Marshall in round 11. We can get to him in a few. And Damian Williams, the latest pick, might be a little earlier for him, but we'll, we'll see about that. It, good value for Tom Brady. I mean, it's tough to love the value in when we got Justin Herbert going earlier in the same round, yeah. but that's right where Tom Brady should be going. Yep, and you know there's been what one two there's been four running back four quarterbacks come off the board in the you know, following round and a half or whatever. So you started a bit of a run. I, I think that's where Brady should be going. I think you know, Herbert to me just went like a round later than he should be going. Yeah, Mike Jacecki followed Tom Brady off the board, then Corey Davis, Rondale Moore, Marquise Brown, Curtis Samuel, Aaron Rodgers at the end of round nine. Corey Davis, I, you talked about him some lately as an underrated guy. And I've come around on it, especially after counting up the targets for Zach Wilson over the first two games. And granted, there's been no Elijah Moore on the field, but Corey Davis is almost at 50% target share for the Jets so far. Yeah, it's some ridiculous stat. He's, you know, been like, seen like seven targets on like 20 pass routes or something. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, not sustainable. Like you said, Moore hasn't been on the field. I mean, I, Davis was like, I've, I've thought he was undervalued this whole offseason. I, I, you know, thankfully have a, quite a few best ball shares and his ADP is going to climb now, I think into the range where it should, I think, you know, he, he went at a fair price here. It's kind of where he should have been going all along. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was good last year, you know, from a raw production and even, you know, efficiency standpoint, um, the jets gave him a pretty big contract. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's going to be Davis and Morris, the clear top two guys in that passing game. And Zach Wilson looks good. It looks like, you know, that passing game should, should at least be solid right out of the gate. I like to talk about how Elijah Moore could lead that team in targets. But, I mean, if we're talking about likely, I think we have to figure that it's more likely that Corey Davis leads that team in targets, given that he's a veteran that they paid him a ton of money this offseason. Yeah, man, I hope Moore gets back on the field soon. 
Yes, I'm starting to get a little nervous. It would be nice if we get the tandem, especially in the third preseason game, to to read it. Rondale Moore after Corey Davis in round nine. Is this where he should be going? And I don't think I don't think I've even taken him in round nine. I think he's been more of like a 10, 11 guy for me. But uh, yeah, I, I I you know you kind of have to expect his ADP to climb. He's been just so busy in the preseason. And I'm I, like I'm like Kevin took Curtis Samuel. I still prefer Samuel over Moore. I think I still prefer Mooney over Moore. Um, but I guess that's kind of in a wider series. So maybe it's tad early. So not Marquise Brown ahead of Rondell Moore? I'd, I'd rather have more. I'd rather have a guy who could be Baltimore's number one wideout than a guy who's yeah, going to be Arizona's third. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, Brown's still out with the hamstring. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, after that, Marquise Brown, Curtis Samuel, Aaron Rodgers closed out round nine. Darnell Mooney at the turn, as you mentioned. Leonard Fournette, we talked about. Jamal Williams right next to him. Jamal Williams, I think, uh, remains a solid value where he's going. Not an exciting player, but obviously uh, a solid value. Now, we just talked about putting James Conner together with Chase Edmonds. Would you have considered Jamal Williams over Leonard Fournette for Kevin's team, knowing that he already has DeAndre Swift? Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that because I was kind of wondering. Like, Williams was the guy I had in mind when Kevin got on the clock at in the tenth round there. And I kind of forgot that Fournette was still there. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think I would have pushed Williams up the board just because I have Swift, but I, I kind of prefer him over Fournette anyways. Like, I, I think kind of like the Cardinals backfield situation. I, I think Williams could have some standalone value enough for like if you need help on bye weeks, you can throw him in there. A guy who's going to see you know eight to ten carries and a few targets every game, and then you know if Swift goes down. I think Williams would be a three down back there. And I, again, I know the offense isn't exciting, but I just think volume wise that, you know, he'd, he'd be, he'd be a, an easy fantasy starter with, with no swift. I agree. I think I would go Jamal Williams over Leonard Fournette there because you're not expecting to use either guy early. And I think there's a, a clearer path to Jamal Williams paying off for you than Leonard Fournette doing so. Of course, you know, there's a chance that Leonard Fournette is just, just winds up as the top performing back for Tampa without anybody getting hurt. So it's not a strong argument, but slight lean, I think I would say, Jamal Williams. Yeah, Fournette does have the higher ceiling. So, you know, from that perspective, again, in, in this format, I don't I don't have an issue with Fournette. Um, I wonder, too, if uh, Kevin was disappointed to not get Marquise Brown at that Curtis Samuel spot because that would have given him a stack with Lamar Jackson. I would imagine that that's what he was hoping was going to happen before Curtis Samuel got there. But not to be, did not get the opportunity. We did get a QB stack a couple picks later. Matthew Stafford, drafter. Already had Robert Woods on the roster, so we've got a QB wideout stack there. That team looks decently set up outside of Rondell Moore, just waiting there to torpedo the value. <laughs> I like that team until you. I don't, I don't like the back-to-back Hines Murray picks. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess he waited on his second and third. It's okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm good with that pick, and Rondell Moore is gonna gonna carry him, so he's good. <laughs> there you go. Hey, if there's one thing Rondell Moore can do, it's probably carry anybody with the legs that that guy has. So I, I can get behind that. Uh, after, after Matthew Stafford, we had Jarvis Landry and never exciting, but there are definitely wide receivers that went off the board before him that he should be going ahead of. I would take him over Rondale Moore, probably Marquise Brown at this point. I, I probably would take Corey Davis first, but I think he and Jarvis Landry look pretty similar in terms of value. Yeah. I mean, I don't hang can pull up his ADP, but he, he consistently goes like, you know, mid wide receiver forties in drafts. Um, and he, he, he's going to finish around like wide receiver 30 and he's not going to give you like spike weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he's a guy that's, I, I think better in lineup setting leagues, you know, and he's mm-hmm. what he's this team's fourth. So you don't need to start him every week, but if you know, in good matchups and bye weeks, I think, you know, Landry's a guy you can count on for four to six catches every week. Ronald Jones after Jarvis Landry in the same round as Leonard 
Leonard Fournette four picks later. Jonu Smith after that, the first tight end for the Tom Brady team. What is he, like tight end 14, I think, in this one, an appropriate level for him. And I think I think Jonathan Smith is kind of the last guy that I'm okay with being my first tight end off the board. You know, of course, yeah. considering that I waited to get that guy as my first tight end. Yeah, he might be just on the, the wrong side of that line for me, especially in FFPC where tight ends mean a bit more. Um, and, you know, Smith, Smith out now with the ankle injury. Henry's hurt as well. I think they're both supposed to be ready for week one. Um, you know, not ideal, and they're learning a new offense here. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess Smith's a guy taking quite a bit of in best ball. Um, I, I, think, I think both Patriots wide receivers are going to have, you know, useful weeks, you know, top 10 level weeks. Um, lineup setting wise, I think it might be a bit of a headache. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with that, although this is a format at least where Johnny Smith's going to be in the lineup whenever he's healthy because that team now through 13 picks has Johnny Smith and Jared Cook at tight end. So looking for Johnny Smith to be a regular starter, certainly not a comfy spot to be in, but I think that if you're waiting a long time to address the position, is there a spot earlier in the draft that you think that team should have taken a tight end instead and would be in a better spot right now? Maybe Michael yeah. Carter versus Robert Tunyon, Robert Tunyon in round eight? Yeah, or even even uh, Gasicki instead of Brady in round nine. I mean, Gasicki to me is almost that that last guy I'd feel comfy with as my as my tight end one in this format. So mm-hmm. I probably would have gone there. Yeah, that's fair. Tony Pollard followed Johnny Smith here. Henry Ruggs, Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, Kenyon Drake at the turn we mentioned. The McCaffrey team then went three straight tight ends the past three turns. Evan Ingram, Cole Komet at the eleven twelve. Evan Ingram was the first tight end for that team. Anthony Ferkser then in round 13. What do you think of this build now? Um, I don't love it, but I guess I don't hate it because like, he's kind of set at the other positions. Like he has his five strong wideouts. Um, you know, he, he built, he got some options behind McCaffrey. He's got a starting quarterback. So don't hate it. It doesn't look very pretty to me though. Ingram, Komet, Ferkser. It's kind of like, bah. Yeah. So Cole Komet ahead of Adam Troutman, I think. I, I wonder how much upside there is to that one. I mean, Troutman's fallen because he hasn't been getting the kind of receiving usage that we were hoping for. But I think if you don't like Adam Troutman at that point, I would just pass on tight end and take something else and wait and see what's left. Because I don't think there's a whole lot to like more about Cole Komet than Austin Hooper, who went at the end of round 13, which is yeah. the same round where that drafter then took Anthony Ferkser. So, I mean... I don't know. For me, Cole Komet's not somebody that piques my interest right now. They did keep Jimmy Graham this offseason, so I would assume that Cole Komet's going to be the top guy at the position for him. But it's similar to a Dallas Goddard-Zach Ertz setup, and neither of those guys is as good as either one that the Eagles has. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, Hooper, I, I think Hooper's undervalued. I, I won't say like very undervalued, but I think he's undervalued, especially in FFPC with the 1.5 PPR. I, you know, I think you know people were excited about him last year, and nothing's changed, right? I mean, it's still kind of Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, then Hooper, probably the next option in that passing game. So I, I think he's undervalued. I think he's a really good pick where he went here. I think he's undervalued and has a chance to turn into really undervalued. I think he, he could finish like tight end nine by the end of the season. We're all like, why didn't we draft Austin Hooper? Yep. After that, Evan Ingram and Cole Komet turn. So looking in the rest of round 11, we got um, Xavier Jones, we got Gus Edwards, we got um, Gio Bernard, Ryan Tannehill, Terrace Marshall, Trey Lance, Devin Singletary, Naheem Hines, Alexander Madison, Gerald Everett, Rashad Penny. And I, I said it wrong. Evan Ingram, Cole Komet was not the same turn. It was Evan Ingram going to start round 11, and then it was Cole Komet, Anthony Ferkser at the 12-13 turn. But looking through that round, Jared, did anything stand out to you? It seems like good value on Ryan Tannehill, even if he doesn't excite you. Uh, yep, good value on Tannehill. Gus Edwards sticks out to me. 
um, is my favorite running back in that round. Um, you know, he, he out, he out snapped JK Dobbins with the first team offense in the second preseason game. I don't know that D- Dobbins is going to be the, the best fantasy play there, but kind of a, it was a reminder that like Edwards is going to play a big role. He's not going away. He's good. He looked awesome in that game. The, the PFF metrics, you know, I looked up after watching that game and, you know, they confirmed what you saw with your eyes. He was, you know, breaking tackles, picking up yards after contact. He's just, he's good. There's no reason for the Ravens to go away from him. I know he's not going to catch a lot of passes, but you know, in the 11th round, he's a guy that, you know, you, you can use in a pinch, even in PPR leagues. To me, if you're excited about J.K. Dobbins right now, you're willfully ignoring that the Ravens brought back Gus Edwards when they could have let him go somewhere else and just, you know, drafted somebody else in round three or four if they didn't like him that much. They like him. He's not going anywhere. And that's what makes me not at all excited about J.K. Dobbins this season. Yep, totally agree. So elsewhere, the next round was Marquez Calloway, James White, Jacoby Myers, Latavius Murray, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Parker, Damian Williams, Russell Gage, Adam Troutman, David Johnson, Brian Edwards, Cole Komet. I liked Rashad Bateman before he got hurt. Now that he's hurt, it's tough for me to like him before the very end of a draft because not only is he out into the regular season almost definitely, but, I mean, once he comes back, he's probably behind Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins in what's going to be a low-volume pass offense. Right. I mean, it's probably going to be the second half of the season before there's any chance you can throw him in a lineup. We we. We took Bateman last night. It was quite a bit later than this. I think it was like around 15 or 16 you know, as our, I think, seventh or eighth wide out. You know, just a guy to stash and see what happens. Um, Ryan Edwards is my guy in the 12th round. I'm I'm excited about him. I, I think there's a chance he leads Raiders wide receivers in fantasy points this season. Yeah, I agree. And you still get people who are like, yeah, Brian Edwards, who fell on his face last year. The thing is, you don't have to pay that much to get him. Round 12 here, as you said, the end of round 12. I mean, what's after him? T.Y. Hilton, Jalen Rager, a couple other guys who didn't exactly light things up last year. So if Brian Edwards doesn't work out in round 12, you're going to be okay. And if you're not okay, then it was not Brian Edwards that killed your team this season. Cole Komet finished round 12, round 13. Anthony Ferkser, J.D. McKissick, T.Y. Hilton, Justin Fields. at That's the second quarterback for the Josh Allen team. Trey Lance also was drafted as the second quarterback for a team here. And we're going to get to Jalen Hurts being somebody's starter later in this round. So after Justin Fields, we had Jalen Rager, Jared Cook, Philip Lindsay, Kenneth Gainwell, Zach Ertz, and then Jalen Hurts at 13-10 in this draft as the first quarterback for the team that had TJ Hawkinson earlier, Dallas Goddard as a second tight end. What do you think about Jalen Hurts' fall? Do you think that maybe, I don't know, this is, this is a league that's particularly scared of stomach infections? I think it's the Sean Watson thing, I guess, but like, I don't know. The closer we get to September, it's like, when's the trade going to happen? And he'd have a brand new offense to learn. We still don't know if he's going to be eligible to play any or, you know, how, how much this season. So I, I don't, I don't get why Hertz is fine. I think he's a steal there. And, you know, this, this team should add a quarterback too, I think pretty soon, just as insurance, mm-hmm. like, you know, Hertz is still unproven, but man, I, I, I still think he's a really good bet to be like a top 10 fantasy quarterback whenever he starts just because of the rushing. Yeah, he's QB 14 here. I mean, it's not hard to get a second quarterback. You can take him and take somebody like Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield or even Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, that range. You can find insurance. So, I mean, it's not a best ball team where you're going to be giving away a roster spot if Jalen Hurts does all of a sudden back up Deshaun Watson. And obviously the more likely scenario is that they don't trade for Deshaun Watson at this point. Jalen Hurts is the starter and he presents the upside that he showed us last year by being one of the top scoring players in all of fantasy over the four week span where he was a starter. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm looking at this board and going to force myself to maybe, you know, wait on quarterback 
um, in my, in my draft on Thursday night, you know, they, 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 and this is, you know, this is pretty normal, you know, not, not hurts going that late, but they, they do drop in these main event drafts. And again, mm-hmm. I think it's different in lineup setting leagues versus best ball. So, um, now I'm, I'm going to be tempted by, you know, some of those earlier guys, but I might try to get myself to, to pass. Yeah. I think the key way to approach quarterback this year is you start by looking at that group of top six or top five, you know, depending on how exactly you, um, separate things up there, but you look at that group, you consider them if somebody slides past ADP, but don't feel like you need them. And then just pick out a quarterback here and there at each level where you're like, okay, if I don't like what's staring at me in round eight, I'll take this guy. If, if I get to round nine, I still need a quarterback and I don't like the receivers there. Then, you know, I'll take Stafford or whatever. There are lots of paths to take here. I don't, you need to don't treat it like you need one of the top six quarterbacks, I think is the key to attacking that position this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow went in the 14th round, like, you know, we, we've, we've talked about how we're lower than consensus on him, but like, I, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be fine with like, you know, Hertz Burrow or, you know, Justin Fields Burrow, you know, like the two of those guys, I think, and you can get him in round 13, 14 is nice. Kevin followed Jalen Hurts with Daryl Williams at 13-11. Then it was Austin Hooper to close out round 13 after the likes of Jared Cook, Zach Ertz, Adam Troutman, Anthony Ferks, or Cole Komet, all those guys. So and Austin Hooper, an undervalued player at this point, and a good target, I think, in FFPC drafts in particular. Chuba Hubbard after that to start round 14. Then Justin Jackson to Kevin's team. Devontae Booker looks like an auto pick, but I think that's a fine area in which to take Devontae Booker. Now, we talked about pairing running backs together. Jared, should Kevin have taken Devontae Booker to pair with Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I mean, generally I don't like it because I don't think you ever want Devontae Booker in your starting lineup, even if you know he's going to be the Giants' lead back for the first game or two. Because um, I, 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 one, he's you know middling talent. I don't think he'd get the Saquon Barkley workload. Um, I mean, looking at Kevin, yeah, even Kevin's team, like waiting on his you know third running back. I even if Barkley's out week one, I'd still rather start Fournette. I think than you know take a you know take a chance on Booker. So I'm 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 fine. Not not even bothering with Booker there. Yeah, I'm fine with not drafting Booker. I do think that this is a, another different situation where maybe you go ahead and take the handcuff because there's at least a chance that Barkley isn't the starter around week one. I would guess at this point that he is the starter in week one. Um, but, you know, there is that chance, I think. So maybe it's a spot where I handcuff Booker. Definitely not essential, but one where I consider it, whereas usually I would absolutely not. After Devontae Booker, we had Tua, Tangabailoa, then Joe Burrow, as you mentioned, both of those guys backup QBs to their teams. Blake Jarwin, Darrington Evans uh, also did not go to the Derrick Henry team, although pick right before the Derrick Henry team in this particular round. Rob Gronkowski went after Darrington Evans, Emmanuel Sanders. Then the first defense, the Rams D, went at 14-10. Tevin Coleman after that, Sterling Shepard at the end of round 14. Anything stand out to you in that round, Jared? Again, I think the quarterbacks, you know, being able to get – Tua, who, you know, he goes ahead of Burrow here. That would have sounded crazy a month ago. Um, but I don't think it's crazy now because, you know, Burrow has had his issues and Tua has looked, you know, to me, like a guy ready to, you know, take that second year leap in the preseason, even without a lot of his weapons. You know, he hasn't had Fuller or Devontae Parker in these preseason games. And I think Tua has looked really good. And other than that, I guess, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy I like. I think, you know, he could be the number two wide receiver for the Bills this year. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't think it's in range to get excited, but if you're getting excited about your round 14 picks, then you're probably getting a little too excited about your team in general. Um, after Sterling <laughs> yeah. Shepard at the end of round 14, Cole Beasley to start off round 15. 
we'll finally get to see pretty soon whether his whole COVID rant and anti-vaxxer thing affects him this season. We've had some effects of guys who have gone unvaccinated so far. So it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility for Cole Beasley to miss some time this year. But in round 15, you're paying, you're, you're getting the discount to deal with that. If he does nothing, then you lose nothing. And Cole Beasley certainly could finish among the top 30 wideouts. Not a high ceiling guy even week to week, but a good value at this point. Definitely. Definitely. Hunter Henry followed him in round 15. Are you drafting Hunter Henry at this stage of the draft? Um, I guess in general, and then how do you feel about him as your second tight end as he is for this team? I think it's fine to have Henry as your tight end too when you have you know Mark Andrews. If you have one of those top six guys, I think it's totally fine. I I, I like Henry over Gronkowski, over Jarwin, over Jared Cook, over Zach Ertz. So, yeah, I, I think um, that was good value on Henry in the 15th. I think that I might lean Ertz over him right now, but otherwise I, I I'm fine with Henry over the rest of those guys. And that, you know, that's in a range too, where it's like, okay, if <laughs> for that guy, I, for this guy, I don't really care about any yep. of them, but I am very curious to see what happens with Zach Ertz first. If he starts the season with the Eagles and second, what his target count looks like once the season does start. Yeah. I'm trying not to let myself forget that he looked like crap last year. And like, I don't, I don't know. I thought he was just done like watching him last year. And I know he's, Supposedly looked better. I think he's looked okay in the preseason. Like, I mean, special, but he's looked okay. So, I, I think know. that's Zach Ertz most of the time. He's much more of an okay looking player than Dallas Goddard at, at any point. I mean, if you had taken them both in their second seasons, you'd have been like, oh, why are they throwing the ball to Ertz with Dallas Goddard out there? True. That is true. The, t- the same team that took the first defense also took the first kicker with Justin Tucker in round 15. Jared, are you ever the team that takes the first defense or the first kicker in one of these? I'm not, but, uh, you know, G- Gilds was on the stream with us last night. He was saying at least a kicker. He likes, you know, getting one of those top end guys. He thinks he can, they, you know, they're reliable. You know, like Justin Tucker is always a top eight kicker, I guess. You know, Harrison Bucker, I think he's like a safe guy. So, I don't know. He, he, he said he um, he takes those top kickers quite a bit, and he, he's had plenty of success. So. I mean, it's easy to say, why are you drafting a kicker this early? But it's also round 15. I mean, Ty Johnson's yeah. probably not winning the league for anybody. Ramondre Stevenson's probably not winning the league for anybody. So, why not? Justin Tucker especially is going to be a fun kicker to watch because he at least appreciates fantasy and he's just he's just fun to watch. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, he he's more likely to help your team, obviously, than these other guys. I mean, these other guys, if they hit, they're going to be more valuable than Tucker, but the odds of them hitting are just very low. Ty Johnson did come next. And actually, that brings us to the Jets backfield. So he's the third running back off the board here. But Michael Carter last game didn't play until the second half. It was Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman splitting first team work. I mean, how are you addressing or approaching this Jets backfield, if at all, right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I do still think Carter should be the first one off the board because, I mean, I, he it looks like he's not going to be someone we can use in fantasy lamps early on. But, I, I you know, it's, it's a long season, and I, I do think he's going to work himself into a role, you know, especially in the passing game. You know, Tevin Coleman, even his prime, was, you know, a decent committee back, and you know, now he's like 20 years old. Ty Johnson's a guy – I do kind of like, but I mean, you know, he's, he's nothing special. So Coleman and Johnson are both fine shots to take in, at, at this range. And just in case one of them emerges as a clear lead guy. But um, I, I guess in general, the Jets backfield is just in a void for me. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is for me, but in this late range, I'll take a Tevin Coleman, maybe Ty Johnson. I don't think I've taken him yet. Um, but as we get into the more lineup setting leagues and fewer best ball, I, I'm certainly fine with take Ty Johnson there because I mean, 
he could wind up leading the backfield in, in points and coming well behind Michael Carter. I agree Michael Carter's first, but it's it's generally a backfield I don't want pieces of. So I'm approaching it basically like the Miami backfield. I was going to say, I, I like Selvan Ahmed, I think, better than both those guys, Coleman and Ty Johnson. Like, I, I, I think he was he was good when he got chances last year. Um, I think he's looked good in the preseason. And, you know, if, if and if Brown or Gaskin goes down, then I think, you know, Ackman might get enough work where you can actually use him in fantasy lineups. It bothers me that after he produced last year and Miles Gaskin came back, yeah. they were like, see ya, dude, we don't need you anymore. And then they went and signed Malcolm Brown right at the beginning of free agency. I mean, I, mean, I, I point to that, but last offseason they traded for Matt Breida and they signed Jordan Howard and then neither of them did anything and they, got, they wound up getting dumped. So – it doesn't necessarily mean that Malcolm Brown is ahead of him, but it bothers me that they didn't seem like they loved Alvin Ahmed last year. Yeah, that that's totally fair. I mean, again, he's you know he's he's not he's not a special player, but um, I think I think he's better than Malcolm Brown. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll give him that. He's probably more of an upside player, and I don't really have anything strongly against him. But that's what keeps me from drafting him in this range. Speaking of keeping me from drafting, Ramondre Stevenson, I'm a little bit surprised. First of all. That, he did, that he's not going a little bit earlier after scoring two touchdowns in each of the past two weeks. But I'm also, I guess, kind of relieved. Uh, I guess that drafters are not pushing him up the board. It'd be nicer for me if people were drafting him because I don't think he's going to really help your roster this year unless a couple of players get hurt or traded away Sony Michelle ahead of him. That's what I was going to say. If, if Michelle gets traded or cut, then Stevenson becomes a guy I'm interested in. Um, but if, if Michelle... Is still on that roster, you know, for week one. I I think Stevenson is, is third in line for you know that that big back role. You know, White's going to do all the pass catching stuff. So, uh, I mean, the fifteenth round, he's a stash. And again, if Michelle gets cut, then I, then I like him as a fifteenth round pick. I'll be surprised if they cut Sony Michelle for nothing. I would not be at all surprised if he gets traded. I, I I if if Atlanta doesn't pick up one of these down the roster crowded backfield players, I will be surprised and wonder why they're not. And then you'll have to draft some Mike Davis, I think. <laughs> At that point, if we get to September, I don't know, 5th, if we get to the week of the regular season, then maybe at that point I'll be like, all right, fine. I guess I'm going to draft Mike Davis. If he makes it to round six, I'm still not touching him in round five. Got it. After Ramondre Stevenson, we had Gabe Davis, Eric Ebron, Traquan Smith, the Bucks defense, A.J. Green, Marquez Valdez-Scantling at the end of round 15. So that's Traquan Smith going, what, three rounds after Marquez Calloway. Do you think that's appropriate or are we overvaluing Marquez Calloway at that price? Um, I think Calloway went a bit earlier than, than I take him and like Smith went a bit later to me, to me, they should be going about in the same range. Um, I mean, we, we, it, Marquez Calloway has been dominating camp because he's competing with, you know, Deontay Harris and Lil Jordan Humphrey, like, you know, Traquan Smith's been sidelined, which is a concern, you know, Traquan's had the leg injury. But I don't know. I, I I think Traquan Smith is a, is at least as good as Marcus Kelly when he's healthy. I would have trouble naming my son Lil Jordan and thinking that he's ever going to be taken seriously. At what he made he's it to the doing. NFL, so I mean, I I know, but every time I hear his name, I chuckle and I wonder when he's going to get big enough to be just Jordan. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. AJ Green, I know I, I'm going to say his name over and over again just because it bothers you. And actually, it should bother you even more because he's on Kevin's team here. Um, followed the James White, Darrell Williams, Justin Jackson trifecta with AJ Green as his sixth wide receiver on that roster. And then Anthony McFarland just to get some backup Steelers on there. What do you think? No, I, you know, 
I've taken some AJ Green with with your voice in my head. Um, <laughs> you know, again, again, just the, just the investment in that Cardinals offense, and you know, I, I, you know we talked about it on the podcast with Dwayne, but but it in preseason week two is the same, where it looks like Rondell Moore is their slot guy. So that you know that means Green and Christian Kirk are battling for that you know second outside spot opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and you know with, with the contract they gave AJ Green and the fact that. Christian Kirk just really hasn't been good. Um, I, I do think Green is is the favorite for that spot. That's my goal in all things, just to be the voice inside people's heads and whatever subject I'm trying to address. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I agree with A.J. Green for those reasons. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as I said, after A.J. Green there. Back around, we've got Jake Funk. Jake Funk, by the way, went, what's that, four, four rounds plus a little bit behind Xavier Jones, so... We're still looking at Xavier Jones, we meaning the draft community, as the, the second back up in the Rams' backfield. And by the way, that reminds me, it's a mild thumb sprain for Daryl Henderson, according to um, reports so far. They expect him to be ready for the opener. I think we'll see beyond that how healthy he is before then. But a mild thumb sprain. So that might spur the team to make a move in the backfield, considering that Henderson is probably not going to see any action over the next couple of weeks. So they at least need a camp body and maybe – the caliber of player that they bring in might tell us more about what they think of Xavier Jones and Jake Funk. How is Duke Johnson still sitting out there on in the on, in free agency? Man, he should be he should be signed. He's he'll he'll end up somewhere, you know, whether it's L.A. or Atlanta. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised by that Xavier Jones pick in the eleventh. You know, go, going ahead of Gus Edwards. I mean, that's that's crazy to me. You know, going ahead of Devin Singletary. You know, even even the pass catchers like Gio Bernard and Naheem Hines, I'd rather have than, than Xavier Jones. Yeah, I've been surprised lately at how early he's going. I think it might be a bit of overrating the Rams backfield and thinking that anybody in there is going to score points. I mean, we had some Daryl Henderson production last year after Cam Akers went down early uh, and he was getting the ball, but we had things mixed up. And I think if Daryl Henderson were to go down, we would get things really mixed up and not get a startable backfield, most likely going forward. I, I mean, if I were picking, I would say Xavier Jones first right now, but it's not somebody I, I'm walking out onto a limb for. Right. If, if we knew Xavier Jones was the number two back for the Rams, I think, you know, the 11th round would be about right. Also on the injury front, by the way, Adam Troutman went to the locker room on a cart today because of an ankle or foot injury. Now, we always have to check further into the reports of somebody going to the locker room in a cart because sometimes it means they had to lift him up off the field onto a cart to take him to the locker room. Sometimes it means the guy left the field under his own power and rather than make him walk all the way to the locker room, they they gave him a ride on a cart to get there. So we'll see how serious an injury it is. Certainly hasn't been a positive preseason slash training camp for him in terms of buzz versus what fantasy drafters were expecting though. Yeah. He's a guy I basically hopped off altogether after that first preseason game. And I think, you know, as you alluded to, there was talk even before that of, you know, him maybe, and really what it is, he, he's, they just have him blocking too, too much for, you know, what we want in fantasy. And that there's the, uh, what is it? Juwan Johnson, right? The Juwan Johnson. I'd be curious to see if he, if he, uh, goes here in these final few rounds especially with that Troutman injury yeah that's that looks to me like a situation to avoid you don't want to overreact to preseason as people say all the time but there are definitely things that you should react to and to me Troutman was somebody that you'd be ready to pounce on if there were positives from training camp and preseason and if there's not then it's somebody to just pass on and take something else in that range of tight end because there's nothing special to unlock there. It's just looking for somebody that we can count on for regular production. 
how bad is that Saints pass catching core? If you know, I mean, we know Thomas isn't going to be out there week one. If they're missing Troutman too, it's ugly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could get I don't know, we could get twelve targets for Marquez Callaway right away, and maybe four for Traquan Smith. You get eight for Lil Jordan. That's right. He might finally shed the lil and become a man. So getting back to these picks, we did have Harrison Butker go off the board as a second uh, kicker right after Anthony McFarland. Then it's defense time in mass. We got the Patriots, then the Broncos, Nico Collins, Washington defense after that. The Broncos have been a particular target for me on defense because they opened the season with a nice start. The first three games I uh, have it up over here. Let's see. Denver, we've got – they're at the Giants, at Jacksonville, home for the Jets. After that, it's Baltimore and Pittsburgh, so I don't know if I'm using them in weeks four and five, but I, I, there's a chance that Denver is a, like a top five defense for the first three weeks of the season. Yep, they've been a target of mine. Um, I know San Francisco opens versus uh, Detroit. So that, those have been kind of the two defenses I've been targeting in lineup setting league so far. So after Washington, we had Nelson Aguilar, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. I'm surprised that Sammy Watkins isn't going consistently ahead of Rashad Bateman now because we have the injuries to both Bateman and Marquise Brown. Sammy Watkins is, is healthy right now, right? I, I just realized that I don't know that for sure. Uh, I, I haven't heard that he's not. So Okay. I was making sure I didn't miss anything. But it, it, to me, it, that's just such like a bunched wide receiver core that why wouldn't you just take the healthy one right now? Um, it, it surprises me that Sammy Watkins is going third. I think people are a little bit overly down I'm not saying I'm excited about him but you know in a range where you're looking for some upside there's a chance Sammy Watkins leads the Baltimore wide receivers and targets this year yeah I mean I mean people just hate Sammy Watkins in general and I, I guess they probably should because he has you know mostly disappointed um but yeah I, I think that's why he drops as far as he does just make sure you don't ask him because he'll probably come up with some crazy conspiracy theory uh <laughs> for why he's going this late in drafts I would Randall Cobb right would, after Sammy Watkins what I, I was I was gonna say I would just love to you know, sit down and have a beer with Sammy Watkins. <laughs> I, guess, I guess there would have to be a third party. I'm not sure I'd do it one-on-one. <laughs> Fair. Randall Cobb after Watkins here, OJ Howard, Pittsburgh defense. Then it was Kadri Allison in round 17, Jarek McKinnon. Are you drafting Jarek McKinnon at all? I mean, I definitely prefer Daryl Williams, but I mean, McKinnon's worth a shot at some point. I mean, if Everett's lawyer misses time, it's not going to be all Daryl Williams. I think McKinnon would get in there too. To me, I would rather take Kylan Hill, I think at this point, I am so happy Kylan Hill is getting drafted in redraft leagues. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I did not. I love Kylan Hill, but I did not, did not expect to see this. Yeah. I mean, it's recent buzz, but it sounds like yeah. he's getting involved. It looked like he was getting involved. He had a nice second preseason game. And, you know, it's not so much that he's going to start going early. It's just the second to last round here. I think it's a good spot to take a shot on him. We all know that Aaron Jones has missed games um, just about every season so far. And AJ Dylan is not a pass catcher. We'll see what he does on that front this year, but there's room for Kylan Hill to be immediately involved to some degree. And then obviously handcuff upside, you know, with two guys who could go down. Yep. And he, you know, he's, he's good at football. So that, that helps too. Mark Ingram. I, that's a name that I did not expect to see come up uh, split. He split the first team spot with David Johnson on their first unofficial uh, depth chart. I don't know. I'm Mark Ingram. I'm not drafting. I, I guess I've been waiting longer on David Johnson and not enthusiastic about Philip Lindsay. I don't think I'm ever going to get to Mark Ingram this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. So, I mean, Lindsay went in round 13, and David Johnson went in round 12. I mean, so in that in the second preseason game, Ingram and Lindsay split early down work with the starters, and then David Johnson played third downs again. 
So, you know, splitting early down work on the Texans is, is not going to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I guess he's like a Philip Lindsay injury away from, you know, maybe being a guy you can get 12 carries a game out of. <laughs> Ooh, 12 Texans <laughs> carries uh, a game. Yeah, it's, it's a no for me. Kylan, okay, so in that same round, we had Kylan Hill go next, Van Jefferson, Brashad Perriman, Pat Fryermuth, Chris Evans. Chris Evans somebody I'd be more interested in than Mark Ingram for sure. I'm more interested in than Jarek McKinnon as well. I, I just think there's more upside to Chris Evans at this point than there is Jarek McKinnon. But, you know, it's tough to argue against taking a Chiefs backup running back if Clyde edwards Lair. I, I guess especially while Clyde edwards Lair is dealing with that ankle sprain. And we'll have to ask Kevin about this Tony Jones pick. <laughs> Well, not, he's I'm the guy even... that's supposed to be threatening Latavius Murray, right? I mean, I guess, I guess. I mean, they have Devontae Freeman too, but yeah, he has nothing left. I don't know. I, 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 I'd still be surprised if they cut Murray. You know, especially with all these pass catcher injuries. Like, I think they're going to have to go run heavy early mm-hmm. on. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was surprised when that pick came up for Kevin. They're just going to have to run like a a T formation, have three running backs behind the the QB, and have Taysom Hill in there. Yeah, and Taysom. Yeah, they're just going to run uh, like a wing T offense. It's going to be like a, a a service academy for that team, which is pro- probably how it should be based on what yeah. they have. But yeah, so you know, we'll we'll see about Tony Jones. Devontae Freeman had so little left last season that the Giants let him go and then yeah. rushed out and bought Devontae Booker as soon as they could. So it shows uh, how much he's got going. Niners defense, you mentioned at the end of round seventeen, we're almost at the end of this draft. So round eighteen, Donovan Peoples Jones, your boy, went early. He, I don't. I guess I haven't looked at as many of these um, in-season management drafts as I have best ball. He's going late in best ball drafts, but I don't know what where he's been in this style of draft. What about you? Um, no, I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I can't remember where he went in our draft last night. Um, but he did go. He, I, I believe he did. I believe he did. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's the number three there. Which, I mean, that that n- number three wide receiver spot in Cleveland is not great because they're still going to be pretty mm-hmm. heavy on two tight end sets. And, you know, they have two target hogs in Beckham and Landry, but I mean, he, you know, DPJ is, he's one injury away from, you know, potentially being a fantasy factor and you are, you already have Beckham coming off the ACL. So. Yeah. I think you're looking at handcuff types in this round. Um, we've got Paris Campbell coming off the board after him, Byron Pringle. Those are a couple of guys that I'm a little surprised aren't going a little bit earlier right now. I guess Byron Pringle is losing some luster because we've seen Demarcus Robinson working ahead of him, Nicole Harden working ahead of him. So even if you're in Kansas city, if you're the fourth receiver, you're not going to excite people. Paris Campbell though, I, there has been some excitement about him at times, but I think that the Carson Wentz injury basically made people jump off of Paris Campbell. Yeah. And, and I, I just um, watched that game and wrote some notes up for the, you know, preseason week two thing that'll hit draft sharks on uh, tomorrow. I guess, I guess I got to get that finished tonight. Um, <laughs> but, but Campbell's usage has been weird. They've been using him on the outside and he's only been playing in three wide receiver sets. And it's, you know, it's been Zach Pascal is the slot guy in three wide out. So Pascal might open the season as their, their slot guy, you know, between Pittman and Hilton. So I don't know, you know, and it, I would still expect Campbell to, to overtake Pascal at some point. So he's still a fine stash, but um, I, I just thought that was interesting. So wait, we've got Pittman and Hilton as the top two, right? And then Zach yeah. Pascal is the slot. So was, well, well, so uh, Ty didn't play in the second preseason okay. game, so I, I don't even you know someone else as the other outside guy. And then when they went three wide, it was when they went three wide, it was Pittman and uh, Campbell on the outside with Pascal in the slot. And then when they went two wide, it was Pittman and Pascal on the field. Okay, Zach Pascal is somebody that I've been drafting late in best ball drafts after hearing that he's been a touchdown scorer in practice and just kind of looking at Colts receivers. 
and seeing them leave the board and also looking at what's there at the very end of underdog drafts and with all the wideouts getting pushed up the boards. I mean, Zach Pascal is one of those guys where I've seen him get targets. I know that the Colts like him to some degree. And if somebody down here is going to do something unforeseen based on ADP, he looks like a strong candidate to do it. Yep. And, you know, I, there's, I think, still a chance that T.Y. is kind of out of gas at some point this year. And then, you know, then maybe you have Pascal and, and uh, Paris Campbell in, in the starting lineup. Quez Watkins has been a camp darling with some downfield speed. Uh, he's going to need some help to be relevant, but it sure looks like he's working past Travis, Travis Fulgham, and we're just going to have Fulgham do the full disappear at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, Watkins is going to be one of Philly's top three receivers to open the season. So I hope so, based on the way he's been playing. Dawson Knox after that, Colts defense, KJ Hamler, Matt Ryan, Youngway Koo, Hayden Hurst, the Miami defense, Ryan Suckup, and then round 19, we got Malcolm Brown. It's tough not to like Malcolm Brown in round 19 when Salvin Ahmed is going in round 15 and Miles Gaskin is going in round six. I mean, like might be a strong word, yeah. but that's what makes me like Malcolm Brown is at the very end of the draft. It's like, all right, I'll take Malcolm Brown. There's a chance that in any given week, he leads the backfield and touches. I'll give you that. <laughs> that's the case for him. Tyler Bass next Tyrell Williams after that. And, you know, I still like the upside on Tyrell Williams, the player. He's in a bad yeah. spot for maximizing that upside and a bad spot for you feeling good about putting him in a lineup. But, you know, at least he's at the I very mean, end of the draft. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why did Brashad Perriman go two rounds ahead of Tyrell Williams? I, why is Brashad Perriman getting drafted by anybody at any point now? I, I've read some stuff out of Detroit that he might not even be in the, you know, be in the starting lineup to open the season. So I would believe that much more quickly than I would believe that he will be slightly fantasy relevant this season. <laughs> He's just been set up in such better situations than he is now and has failed miserably at each stop. So he's, he's an absolute zero touch guy for me in, in drafts all this season. Mo Ali Cox. Where are we at on Mo Ali Cox in round 19 of this draft? Uh, I, <laughs> That's what I figured. I'm, yeah. I'm not as excited about him as I was. Um, I don't know why. I, I mean, you know, there's been some Kylan Grants and buzz. But I mean, you know, we know rookie tight ends are long shots. I and my worry with Mo Ali Cox is they dislike him too much as a blocker. You know, he's 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 a, he's a good blocker. He's a you know, massive human, and especially with their O line injuries, you know, maybe they're going to need him to do more of that early on. So I'm not as excited as I was, but I I'd like him in the 19th round still of an FFPC draft. Oh yeah, and as the third tight end for that team, maybe the second tight end if they did lose Adam Troutman to a serious injury. But we'll see. There goes Juwan Johnson right there. I was going to say. So what do you think about Juwan Johnson now? I mean, he's a converted wideout, which is what you want out of a fancy tight end, right? And, I mean, I, I think he might he might have already been their lead pass-catching tight end without a Troutman injury. And if Troutman's out, then – I mean, and, and they could still add someone. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe that's a, a Zach Ertz trade destination. I don't know. Um, but, I, I th- again, especially in these lineup-setting leagues where most of these late-round guys are going to get dropped anyways. Like, it's riskier in best balls. You don't want to be taking zeros all year from a guy mm-hmm. – uh, but, you know, in, in a lineup setting, league, you're going to end up dropping half of these late round picks anyways. Yeah, this is definitely a time for a why not shot on, on somebody like that, especially in tight end premium. And speaking of tight end premium, uh, oh, so Kevin's got Darren Waller in the first round. I forgot about that and was looking at his roster as we have it <laughs> scrolled down to exclude round one. I was about to say that Gerald Everett's his only tight end, but no, not the yeah, case. Darren you, Waller, Gerald Everett, the two tight ends for Kevin's team. So have we officially moved to the point where a converted wide receiver is what you're looking for at tight end, as opposed to a former basketball player? <laughs> yeah. I think the basketball pipeline is dried up. So we're moving on to the wideouts. 
Now you want somebody converted from another position, whether it's Logan Thomas from quarterback or somebody who used to be a what, – what, just what you don't want anymore is Pat Fryermuth, it sounds like. Guys who were strictly tight ends in college. Yeah, no no tight ends at tight end. So we are in the final – this is the final round, right? It's, it's 20 rounds in these things? Yep, this is it. So you guys are almost rid of us, but we'll get through the end of this draft. We got in round 20, Greg Zierlein, Chargers defense to Kevin's team, Zach Wilson – as the second quarterback for the Jalen Hurts team. And so Jalen Hurts, Zach Wilson, I mean, would you want somebody sturdier than that behind Hurts, or do you like that, Jared? Yeah, I would have wanted someone sturdy. I mean, like even Trevor Lawrence ended up going in the 17th round. Like, if I'm the Hurts drafter, I'm taking him in, you know, round 15 or 16. I don't know. I guess we're talking, you know, Lawrence versus another rookie in Wilson. I mean, I, I prefer Lawrence there. I think he's, he's probably going to be just fine, like, again – to me, Hertz is likely to be Philly starter all year long. And if he is, you know, he, he's going to be a weekly fantasy play. And I mean, plus it looks like we're about to see Derek Carr not get drafted here. Be, yeah. Baker Mayfield's not on the board anywhere, right? Jeez, he's not. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's not going to get drafted. I mean, yeah, there's 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 uh, there's always starters yeah. on the waiver wire in these FFPC leagues. Yeah, so if we get a Deshaun Watson trade, Deshaun Watson, by the way, also has not been drafted in this particular draft. So if we do get a Watson trade to Philly, which, you know, again, we still have to bet that that's not going to happen. But if it does, and Jalen Hurts is not a starter, that team can still pick up somebody off the wire. So we'll see where that goes, both for them and for Philly and for the rest of us. Darwin Thompson after Zach Wilson, Josh Reynolds, Mason Crosby, Sam Darnold also came off the board ahead of Baker Mayfield and those other guys we were just talking about. Is Kirk Cousins? He's still not drafted in this draft either. So we've got Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson going ahead of Kirk Cousins in this draft. Yeah, yeah, that's that's surprising. I, I mean, I was giving you a hard time earlier about taking Justin Fields as your top quarterback and lucking into Kirk Cousins still being there. But after watching the way this goes, I, I apologize. I think Justin Fields as a first quarterback makes more sense now than I thought it did 24 hours ago. Thank you. Appreciate that. And yeah, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying, I'm going to try to remember this on Thursday night that, you know, and, and again, this is pretty normal where you can get like, you know, viable quarterbacks near the end of these FFPC drafts. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if I'd wait till, you know, around, 15 or 16, but you know, again, you can, you can wait and then, you know, grab a pretty solid second guy and, and be just fine at quarterback. Yeah. Shows you what's possible. And speaking of what's possible, same round that we saw Darwin Thompson, the fourth chiefs running back go Sony Michelle comes off the board, yeah. Boston Scott. I mean, Boston Scott should be the number two back for Philly. We'll see about Gainwell, but he came off the board rounds earlier. And then Sony Michelle, I think if he's not second in new england in terms of running backs as we open the season then it'll be because he's higher than that on somebody else's depth chart somewhere else so i like sony michelle as an end of draft staff stash exactly i mean i think he should be, he should be going you know five rounds earlier up you know with the with the ty johnsons and with the salvin Ahmeds and Ramondre stevenson that that's kind of where i'd put michelle yeah i agree with that so that's going to do it for this live stream of kevin's ffpc main event draft and of course the other 11 drafters that took part in it with him you can head over to draftsharks.com now become a ds insider set up your draft war room to get set for your own draft we're here waiting to help you we've got the rankings up there we've got the content that's been coming out for weeks to this point we've got more stuff coming out this week and beyond right up to the regular season and then of course we'll switch over to regular season mode and keep helping you manage that team throughout the year so come join us for free you can join the draft sharks discord uh talk with us directly talk with a sharp group of experienced drafters whether you're a high stakes player dfs player home league player whatever you're playing you can talk to us about all of it uh, you can find the link to that in the youtube stream for this in most of our podcast posts at this point and on the draft sharks timeline on twitter so for jared smola and the rest of the draft sharks crew 
I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us. <laughs>